can't even move, right? Like, because a million people enter a big game store, for example, and like they, they all grab the same game at the same time. And it's that's just literally war going mm -hmm. on uh, in those yeah. stores. And that's how it used to work, right? Like, the, basically, everything I read is that. Black Friday isn't really the same thing anymore as it used to be, uh, especially now that it lasts for a couple of days so it's instead of like a single day. So people are like, ah, ah. You, you don't need to physically go to the place to get the big deal. And I think in Europe, it's never been that way. And that's why I don't know, like uh, about you guys, like I felt like Black, that whole quote unquote Black Friday thing, which really only became a thing in Europe in like the last couple of years, maybe yeah. maybe five years. It's it's a huge letdown. Like actually, I was, I was looking at stuff and I, I couldn't really find anything yeah. except for, of course, like the Savatariks on us, right? Of course, of course. <laughs> but like, like imagine, imagine if your uh, if your local game store goes like, okay, well today and only for an hour or two all dual lands are going to be 20 bucks like dude <laughs> okay, like, i thought you were going to say like 20 percent off like, like no 20 bucks <laughs> like like that's sure. a that's a declaration of war basically right yeah, i guess if, if they say like we, we got like uh let's say five of every duel is gonna be hugely discounted and first come first serve I think that would people make queue up at the. I mean, it's basically like printing money, right? Because then people would go straight to reselling them. So I oh, guess it doesn't really work oh, that way. Yeah, you would probably also want to camp before uh, in front of the store for like a night or two, just 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 to get them in time. Yeah, I, I guess it also like it doesn't really <laughs> make sense in that way for Magic. Because from what I understand, is like the whole idea for the store also is that the store gets to like clear space. There's like a physical limits to how much they can actually have and display at the store and then like the wizard is not going to be like oh there's new duels coming out soon so stars are like oh let's clean out the old inventory of like i don't know tundra and volcanic island that's gonna be uber volcanic island coming out like next month so let's let's sell this to, to all the suckers yeah. <laughs> and with that hello and welcome everybody to everyday tunnel number 149 your favorite most deceptively named bi-weekly legacy podcast today's show is brought to you by a brand new patreon and if you want to support the running of the show directly, you can support us on patreon.com slash everyday channel. I'm Julian. I'm here with Callum and Kai. And guys, how's it going for you? We, I can't say we just returned from Eternal Weekend Europe. We basically we picked the date for this episode to go strategically between Eternal Weekend Europe and Asia and right before Eternal Weekend North America, which is going to come up you're, you're, in a little we more than a week We must say your everyday Eternal Weekend. Yeah, every day tunnel weekend. That's how I messed it up, right? <laughs> it's going to be a couple more years until we start renaming us that way. Callum, you didn't go, right? But Kai, you and I, we went. But as it turns out, only I really got to play. Or like, well, what went wrong there? Yeah, that's very true. Um, I, dude, like throughout the event, I wished I I joined the event like so so many times because it looked so much fun. But yeah, I, I was busy doing being you, you had to play more magic than I did in that weekend still. <laughs> yeah dude I had a bunch of people who challenged me during the weekend and actually 31 people combined on Friday Saturday and Sunday thank you so much and I had I lost more than I want so um I think uh that's basically goal achieved <laughs> so, <laughs> honest, like I guess we should quickly add like you, you had a booth at Eternal Weekend right it's not like you randomly walk around and people are like hey Kai let's do it <laughs> no dude this is not this is not Pokemon right but <laughs> <laughs> wasn't it like a Yu-Gi-Oh city of duels or something where people literally did that they walked around in the city and then like you randomly dueled and if you oh, lost you so died cool. 
That's really cool. Uh, like I don't know about the dying thing, but uh, <laughs> but other than that, I think it looks really uh, sounds really appealing. But yeah, as you mentioned, like I I had my Savatorics booth for the very first time at a large event like this, the um, Eternal Weekend. It was it was a blast being at the same event, you know, together with like other artists such as like RK Post and Mark Poole, a lot of the other vendors, like like big big names out there, right? Like um, JK Entertaining, who um, Entertainment, who host hosted the event, and a lot of just Wait, like RK big, Post was there. RK Post was there too. Yeah, and Mark Poole and oh man, I, yeah, I, dude, I, I was like, I was so sick that weekend. I didn't even notice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were. I, there, I was already hanging out at the Summertarix booth. Oh, thank you. But you know, there was a there was a lot of stuff going on. So and I, I don't blame you if if you missed any of um any of the the, the side attractions because yeah, there was also like Ultimate Guard. They had their booth too, and I think uh, you could you could also um director challenge Andrea Mangucci and like a few other people and it, w- it was great it was it's so it w- funny when you tell me about these things because uh like I'm I'm quickly gonna mention it I only was there for a single day I decided on very short notice because I felt like pretty sick leading up to it then I got better so I was like oh, on Friday afternoon okay let, let's just like jump on the train there and, and go there and then I actually went back on Sunday because I still didn't feel too well so that that was my weekend it's so funny <laughs> like I've be- I've still been there all Saturday and you mentioned all this stuff to me, and I'm like, was, was I, like, delirious? Like, did I literally not notice all of that? Yeah, Apparently. actually pretty huge, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 Like, looking back, like, every, they, they had this this whole ring of stuff, ring of attractions around the playing area, right? Which is kind of a cool setup. And yeah, yeah. it so all went past me. Like, looking back, dude, I, I, I only experienced, like, 10% of what there was to experience. I mean, this is probably, like, the, the biggest uh, difference between the... Um, Eternal Weekend in that happened in Prague, Czech Republic, and the one that happened last weekend in Aichi in Japan. Like the one in Aichi, that that was that looked like a let's say like a quote unquote proper GP where they had a giant hall and they had loads of side events going on at the same time, and it it was like overall. I think like a, a, a gigantic convention, right? Including a big commander um, playing playing area and lots of artists and like a stage with um, stage events. And the one in Prague, Czech Republic, was was more like a. I mean, it wasn't a hotel, right? Like how how, how big can it possibly be? It wasn't the top hotel, as they called it. Actually, there was there was a commander area. I'm pretty sure because whenever I went to the bar and I spotted a sign that said. I think command battling zone this way, like pretty far away from the from the actual playing area. So I think there was actually like a, a, a side hall. Honestly, oh, like I, I never went there. I, I bet it was like twice the size of the Legacy Main Event, like yeah, one thousand five hundred yeah. like commander players just going at it. Dude, that's yeah, maybe. So. I have no idea. But yeah, I I still had a great weekend. I already mentioned it. Um, I I didn't do too well uh, health wise. I uh, at some point like let, let's very quickly go over that because that's not the most exciting thing to talk about. Uh, I uh, I played painter Boris uh, White Splash. You you can find my list on basically my Twitter, and or if you ask for it in the Discord, like I get I still get so many messages about that. I, I actually I, I updated my mocks field. Maybe that's the pl- best place to find it. And I still got to I think five and two at some point, which was like oh, okay maybe you know not top eight, but maybe we can get somewhere. Then I I played the mirror against another painter pilot and I, I like i said the perfect trap like despite my delirious condition 
I I was so proud of myself because like I, I literally planned ahead for the next two turns where like I would tap out to put paint into play past the turn, which is always like a huge red flag. Like you you don't do that in the mirror, right? And I was like, I'm still gonna do that. I'm gonna make it look like like accidentally. Like I'm oh stupid Julian, you put paint into play and oh no you passed. Oh my god! And the, then the opponent literally went for it because they had a, a saga going off, uh, basically about to ultimate. And I was like, okay, if they get lantern, I'm pretty screwed. But if I can get them to get Grindstone and commit basically all their mana to it to activate it right away, then I can win. Because why? Haha, <laughs> Julian, sometimes he thinks. He's got Simeon Spur Guide in hand, a Goblin Engineer. So the opponent fell right fucking for it. He goes for it, he, he tries to mill me out, I'm like, oh, 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 Simeon Spur Guide, activate Engineer, put uh, Painter into Graveyard, get something else back. And I was like, I, I felt so smart because I was about to win on my turn. That beautiful, Until beautiful monkey. Yeah, that is, it's so beautiful. Until yeah. I turned into a monkey and I completely needlessly made a construct at the end of turn. When I was about to win with Grindstone and I had to pay two mana for it with Ancient Tomb and I was just like, so, oh, let's just get this over with. Okay, let's go into auto brain mode and everything. And then on my turn, I realized, oh, Julian, you're so stupid. Like, because I needed to tap my. Were you in seven tomb. life? I was at seven life. I went to five life, dude. I I, I laugh how you can actually sense this sense this. I know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I can guess. Yeah. Yeah. So on my turn, I had to make the decision: do I, do I mill him out by tapping my ancient tomb, going to three, which would still allow me to use my second engineer because I only had like three mountains or something, or do I go for tapping my mountains, but then I can't use my second engineer in case he has like fairy macabre or surgical or whatever. So. I decided to play around Graveyard Hate instead of the Lightning Bolt that he might have in hand. And that was just, like, stupid for so many reasons. I'm not going to go into that. Like, even, like, thinking back to my opponent's turn, of course, he was heavily incentivized to use his Graveyard Hate right away because I was about to untap into two engineers. I should have thought about that. I didn't. I was just, like, brain dead. And the, the two of course, obvious ones, just to be, is, like, they could bolt the engineer first and then grindstone you. But Oh, they, they had no mana. No oh, mana. fine, fine, fine. They, they, also, they, they had to discard the hand for a dragon engine. At the, because once okay. I did that, they still had the mana or to get out a dragon engine. Makes sense. And okay. then they discarded the hand through three cards and were tapped out. So at that point, the only thing they can have is Graveyard Hate mm -hmm. or a Bolt, but the Bolt doesn't kill me. Uh, mm -hmm. if, 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 <laughs> like if I don't turn off my brain. Yeah. And then, of course, I mill them. And I literally, I take, I, I, I will not forget this. I, I take their exile into my hand. I go through it. Oh, not the exile, the graveyard. I go through it and I count two bolts. And I literally look <laughs> up at my opponent who has like the biggest shit-eating grin. <laughs> How many and do like, you play? Yeah, exactly. My last hope is that they would sign out a bolt, which like doesn't make sense because you have too, many, too much stuff to sign out anyway. In, in that, in that some, some, play, some play three as well. So if I was your opponent, I would like milk it and be like, do I play two? Do I play three? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. I, I passed and I died on, on my opponent's upkeep. So in, at that point, I was like, five and two or something uh, five and three instead of like the six two that i worked so hard for and and something died in me and i think at that point i think i played another round and i lost and that that's me being out of the tournament at these, that point these situations although it stings now and you're going to remember it for a while they are just such good lessons if as long as you can take that away from it so you know this punt will stay for a while but every time you're in a similar spot where like you're just going to be so much more conscious of your life turtle in these kind of situations in the future 
when it matters like that. Like, I think you've been in these situations before because you've played for so long, but someone a bit newer to the deck may just autopilot, you know, make your construct even faster, and then you'll lose to these kind of situations. And then next time this happens, you're like, ah, wait, I know what happened last time. My brain is telling me to stop doing that. So it is a brilliant lesson to learn, although it hurts sometimes as well. Yeah, I very much agree. And as you mentioned, your brain is going to tell you to not do that mm-hmm. automatically, which frees up so much more space, you know, to think about yeah. other stuff. And and that's the beauty. Because in, in the end, if you had time, like if you had two hours to think about every play, we would make a lot fewer mis- misplays. But if if you can just like, it, it's basically like chess, right? It's, it's easier to play like with a 50 minute time limit than a three limit time limit. And yeah, I I messed up. Uh, I got better for it. It's unfortunate that it happened at a big event. But mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. It's basically how I imagine it, right? You you get hit, you bleed, then you harden at that point, and then you become a better player. That's literally how I imagine it every time I make a mistake. Like, I've, I've got, like, I don't know, scars all over my body from, from times <laughs> I got better, and it sounds so, like, dramatic, but that's basically how I imagine becoming a better Magic player. Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> also, fun story <laughs> to, to, to lighten the mood there. I... <laughs> I played against a guy. No offense to you, but I mean you, you, you you're, you're, um, the victim of your own making in that game. It's like I played against a guy who constantly commented how he doesn't like Legacy. It's like he, he also mentioned how how he doesn't like my deck because he only likes playing with old cards. I was like, hey, is Goblin Rider not good for you? Okay, grindstone. Well, it's like it's got it, like half its new cards, but it's, it's a very old deck with lots of old cards as well. Yeah, I was, I was like, my opponent, like your opponent was playing Sneak and Show and had like a truck sign, Grizzlebrand. Like, <laughs> of course, of course. Come on, dude. <laughs> Grizzlebrand is like the godfather of dude. bullshit new cards. <laughs> I was just gonna say, like, if they play Draco or like some some other, yeah, like, show and tell Draco. That, you know, I could respect, like, or, or show and tell Verdenforce or something. <laughs> I think, I think the, the the like newest creatures they're allowed to play with these comments is Progenitus and Woodfall Primus. Everything else, nah. Oh yeah, yeah. See, see, that would that would be that would be a statement. Instead, <laughs> I think it was so funny because Sneak Show is like basically one of our worst matchups, and yeah. I I lost to it in the feature match, unfortunately. Um, but then I won against that guy, and that guy even like he, he looked at at Fable, and I mean credit to him, he he actually did that thing where he read almost all my cards, which a lot of people I think don't, they they don't read their opponent's cards enough because they feel embarrassed for it. So that was mm-hmm. certainly like. A good thing to do, but then he he read Fable, then he spell pierced it, and then w- when spell pierced it often, my my favorite got countered. He he did like a fist pump, but he was like, "Yes, two for one." And I was like, "Why is why is he two for it's, one?" It's He's actually like, like a goblin, three for one for sure. The, the goblin and the Fable, and I was like, "Oh, like what? No, that's not how it works." <laughs> <laughs> no, that's how it works. It's the goblin, the Fable, and the other side, and the loot. It's like five for one. It's it's basically yeah, ancestor recall if you count the fable. Yeah. yeah, you heard it here first, right, guys? Okay, if, yeah. if you force it, you you're still up a card. <laughs> Dude, like like next time when next time when you force a fourth Eolingus X ten, that's like a two four twelve or whatever. Yeah, that maths. That okay. kind of did so much work in that event. Uh, people always ask me about hey the white splash blah 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 blah. Like I, the, I think the sorts of plowshares is just as much worth it as the fourth Erlingas, but maybe mm-hmm. maybe the fourth Erlingas is even more worth it. And I had so much fun with that card. I won, especially against, like, I basically I put it in because I wanted to have something better against Far Color Control, but uh, I've talked about this in previous episodes, I'm pretty sure. But then it turned out to be also good against basically any mid-range deck and even against some combo decks. Oh, dude, I also lost to that Doomsday player who, <laughs> Sebastian Zilla, I believe. Shoutouts if you're listening to this. He he went, like, almost all the way to top eight. He, I think he 
went eight one one and got ninth place, which is dude, so the, like tragic. Dude, this oh. is the, this is the, like the saddest story ever because um, he came over to my booth before the last round and it's like, dude, Kai, I'm playing your exact seventy five and I'm eight and one or like something like or like eight one one. And I'm basically locked for top eight. And I, and I like we, we already celebrated at my booth, right? I was like, dude, like heck yeah. Oh, God. First of all, I'm also so happy because it's also like it was my deck, right? Like the deck I built mm -hmm. and I played so often on stream and and he said like he you know he, he watched my stream like all the time and he had so much fun prepping and, and now he's like nearly undefeated and, and he can't really believe it. And and then like an hour later I found I found out from another player that he had to play the last round, I think, against Julian um Jakobowicz, uh mm -hmm. Juju Bean two thousand four and well and he got crushed and uh oh, that, that was on camera, I think. Oh shit, okay, yeah, yeah. and he ended it up was in a ninth place. Game, yeah. Oh my goodness, dude. I felt so sorry. When you think about it, like you're eight oh in a ten round event. Even if you like draw once and lose, you'd think you'd still have like good enough tiebreakers. Yeah. Honestly, like looking back, so. oh my god, like it, it was pretty close. I lost my last round and I didn't even properly play my last round. Like I, I literally more, less than half asked my last round because it was like 5-3 and I just like forgot to drop and like I, I wasn't really into it. Now I'm wondering, had I dropped, like his tiebreaker would be better because I would be 5-3 and not 5-4. Like, oh my god. Uh-oh. Oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> Oh god! Oh god! No, if you're guilty. Small things, but you can't think <laughs> yeah. like that. It's it's your tournament. Exactly. You yeah, I I don't think like that. No, no, uh, no, at all. no, no. But I'm yeah. just no, but, it. but Julian, uh, nonetheless, I think it's it, it's still like a, a decent run. It's not the best run, obviously, but like playing an, a lo a long tournament like this is is not like I saw many exhausted faces, especially after round seven or so. Like people were ready for 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 some drinks rather than like you know <laughs> the last couple of like ma uh, magic rounds. And also, like, this is completely not, like, this is not on, on you guys or, like, none of the players. It was the event hall, like, the, um, it got really humid and warm, I think, after, like, you know, after the first couple of rounds. Like, the, the air conditioner didn't probably work. Was there even air conditioning? I don't even know, man. Like, it, it, it was, uh, it was, it, it was kind of like this huge dome surrounded by another room. So it kind of created its own microclimate. Yeah, it was this like it got growing to, in there. Yeah, dude. Like <laughs> they're called it, magic players. Ugh. It was kind of unbearable, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> oh, by the way, Kai, I just realized. You know what? You should like we we, we talk so much about your booth. You, sh you should almost like have your own like podcast where you like talk about just like like your booth and stuff. Because like we, even before we started, we talked for like ten minutes about Kai's booth, and I guess you, we we will speak about it um, even more later on. But what I just realized is, you should sell some drinks and snacks. Honestly, oh, that that you know that's that's on my to do list. So like, like um, I spent a decent amount of time that weekend with Anurag Das and Roland Chang. Shout out to you guys. Um, we talked about all the different things we can do, and to improve Anurag's stream, but also Salatarix and like future ideas. And one of the, one of the crazy ideas was to basically uh, do Salatarix beer. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Um, I like I can't I can't brew myself. Uh, I, I there must be some kind of white label beer that you s like slap Savatarix on and, and yeah, dude, it. something like that. It, I, I gotta like look into this kind of stuff. But it, no, no, but uh, seriously, I don't know if there's like some limitations on it. But I would just be like, oh, I, it's better to ask for, for forgiveness than for yeah. permission. You know imagine, what I mean? Yeah, imagine but, it's just like a little like mini fridge or something. You know? With, yeah, with because a like a lot of event areas, at least in Europe, they suck at like catering. 
like, like this one was just the same, right? They had this bar and they yeah. were like, oh, we don't accept euros and we don't accept card because the okay. card machine didn't work. So shout out to Martin and like some other patrons that I met up with. They literally gave me check crowns so I could buy some food at the event. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> dude, that, that was messed up too. Like I, like a lot of people couldn't, couldn't get their drinks. Yeah, but, dr- but, drinks was was okay. I even had like my flask, then I brought something in, and like I had some snacks, and then at some point you gave me like a, a snack. But yeah, the uh, the <laughs> the availability of catering, you had to walk for like I don't know five minutes, and then there was like another bar which accepted card. Yeah. But the only food they had was ice cream, which is like when it's like <laughs> five degrees outside, I'm not feeling like ice cream. But imagine like if 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 I do like everyday tonal drinks, like like what, and I do a Julian drink, a Callum drink, and a Kai drink. Like what? That, what? Uh, what would that be? Mine would be like a I don't know, like a very hazy IPA or a stout. I do it. The thing course, is, for me, it would course. just be sparkling water. <laughs> yeah. Like it literally would just be sparkling water. Nothing hey, else. You guys, you guys so are just name, Do you guys are just naming your favorite drinks? Of course. Right? What else would they be? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I am, you'd, I have to identify with the product I'm branded on or something. Yeah. Fine. I'm gonna be like a. A very expensive, strong, mysterious absinthe. No, no, I, I kind of like the I'm IPA gonna be better. Champagne. Like you can say champagne, <laughs> and if the, the winner of the tournament is gonna, you, you're gonna provide the the champagne bottle for the winner of the tournament. Oh my goodness! Dude. And then I they want... can spray champagne all over the players with their like expensive magic cards. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's gonna be. Amazing. Everyone, listen to this. Like, even just do it immediately. Go and tag Kai on Twitter and like tell him what you think his drink would be. You can make fun of him if you want. What is oh, Kai's yes, drink? Dude. Please don't say Mountain Dew. Dude, I know oh, what God. I know. I know exactly what Kai's drink is gonna be. It's gonna be just like you know, you, you know, Natto and how it's slimy. And oh, then dude. if you take that slime and then you put it into oh man, dude, I, drink. I like I, I expected like like trash water. So uh, that's trash. Oh, water. You, oh, oh, as, as, like you go a completely different route, and and you have like a strawberry themed drink, and you just like you put the sickest, most badass Savatarix art on it, and you call it. The blood of your slain enemies, or something. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> I'm very, I'm very bad at inventing uh-huh. drinks. I'm no, 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 no. I, that, that, that was actually not too bad. Actually, I like, I like it. <laughs> oh, you know, you, some kind of like anti mulligan juice. Like you, you drink it. Like you take less money if you're mulligan. Oh, That's a pretty dude. funny idea. That's oh, cool. Dude. Okay. Damn, strong marketing. Yeah. Anti mulligan juice. That's good. It's <laughs> so dumb. Top deck potion or something. <laughs> Top deck potion. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my goodness, dude. Dear listener, this is not scripted at all, but it's it's going to yeah. be coming to an eternal dude, that, weekend to you dude, soon. This is called doping. <laughs> dude, we, we, we actually have some kind of script, but we are completely like, yeah. with my very first word, we went completely off the script. Oh, uh, dude, like the, I, think, I think like the last 15 minutes or so were absolute off script. Oh, do you need to do like a MTGO whitelist one as well? <laughs> is that still available? Dude, uh, by the way, did, did you know that there literally is a whitelist on MTGO? Like we choked about it for so many years. Yeah, it's just we, me. We actually don't know how it works, but when you when you deconstruct Magic Online and you look into it, they internally, the, the software uses something that the software itself refers to as a whitelist. And I don't know what that actually does, but if you deconstruct Magic Online, you will literally find references to a so-called whitelist. 
And mm. I can only like guess what that means, but uh, yeah, it's <laughs> it's kind of funny that for like ten years we talked about like getting a su- subscription to the whitelist of MTTO, like getting good that matchups, no no mulligans, and then like you deconstruct the software and you literally find references to it. So it's like maybe it's an in joke or, or some kind of like every software engineer out there is gonna be like, oh my god, shoot in every software uses a whitelist. You just like so stupid. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> the whitelist. I don't think it's worth it. Like I signed up for it and I did get good matchups every single time, but I always lose them. I, I'm a really good player. <laughs> I always lose them though, so I don't think it's worth it. Personally. It sounds like you should also like sign up somebody to play your matches for you, so you can just like sit yeah. there and watch. Yeah, I signed you two up to play for me, and that's why I lose so much. <laughs> I, I, and that surely isn't against every term of service or something. <laughs> no, of course not. No. Okay, guys, should we should we look into the two eternal weekends? And yeah, before sh- we do that, very very quickly, just ever so quickly, big shout outs to hate at os hate at osip on Twitter. Uh, Japanese Magic player who just won the 300-something Legacy Showcase Challenge. Huge event. Playing, I don't even know where to start. I guess we, we're going to call it Mono Blue Thought Lash. Yeah, it's like, yeah. People Heck just yeah. call it Lash, but like, or Thought Lash or like... Oh, be, be, that, that's like an invert for it. Like, oh, people just call it Lash, too, then. You're, you're so like, oh, you not God, cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're spelling it out entirely. Like, no, <laughs> just call it the Lash. The Lash. <laughs> I mean, most people <laughs> might know it under like paradigm shift combo, but yeah, yeah. I, I lash dot deck is also yeah. fine. I, I suppose it does yeah. have a really, really great name. I think, um, kind of Patrick from London made it up. He, <laughs> he calls it. Have you guys seen um, Flash Gordon? Oh, is, is that like some superhero, some American superhero? It, it's an old like superhero film. It's it's really cheesy, but it's like brilliant. Like it's such a good film. But they call it Lash Gordon. <laughs> dude look at look at the look at the numbers on the, on that deck so very yeah. very quickly i guess before we go into like uh, something else it, it plays for paradigm shift it plays for thought lash which allows you to clear out your library and then you win with Thoth's oracle ideally of cavern of souls so it's it's like the opposite of oops all spells in, in terms of speed but it's more resilient uh, or, or is it even and then like to to make all of this work, we play a couple of of cards around it. Like we play three steps through, so we can actually find Thassa's Oracle or also the Magus of the Moon in the sideboard, which happens to be a wizard. So That's so sick. genius. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Uh, like, yeah, like my my highlight for um of the main deck is a single brainstorm. See, that's that's the beauty, right? The, the, the creator looked at this and was like, "Okay, fifty-nine cards. What is the last card?" <laughs> I think I can give you no, 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 no. It, yeah, you can the, splash a brainstorm. <laughs> no, I can give you a reasoning for it. It's definitely not the last card. So there's a single spell seeker. You can get spell seeker with a step through. So oh, if you just need like, if you have some dead cards in hand or like you know flooding yeah. a bit, it's better. To, you want to find a cantrip. So because the deck has very few shuffle effects, it has two Lorien reveals and three step throughs that mm-hmm. shuffle. I think. Um, so after that, it's not playing any ponder. It's got preordains and impulses as kind of like ways to dig to find your action pieces. But if you just have a bad hand, you might want brainstorm over the preordain. Otherwise, preordain is generally better than brainstorm in this deck. So there's some reasoning I'm trying yeah. to give you. I, okay. I, that's it. Dude, okay. Like, so, wait, so you're telling me that like in order to cast a brainstorm, I have to first cycle for two mana, then play a dumb one one for three mana, and then yeah. I can finally cast it's a, a six one mana, mana brainstorm. Instant. It's a six mana brainstorm, dude. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I would what? also only play a single copy if it was a six mana brainstorm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's six mana. It probably takes me like three turns to cast it. You know, like it literally takes three turns. To yeah, cast it. <laughs> I'm not. I'm just giving some reasons. What, one one thing about preordain though, like preordain is actually insane in this deck list because of like how well it plays together with thought lash. 
like everything you you, you can um scribe uh, Thassa on the bottom, and then you mm. know for a fact that there's Thassa on bottom. There's no fetch lands oh. in the deck, so you can literally exile the whole library except the last card, which is the Thassa's Oracle, right? You can, <laughs> yeah, dude, scrying is key in this. Deck. That's why that, brain, you brain, wait, wait, you brainstorm a Thassa's Oracle back to the top, and then you scry it to the bottom. <laughs> Yeah, after you spend six mana, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I saw this. I saw this in the coverage for Eternal Week in Japan, which is only like VODs on uh, on YouTube. They didn't have live coverage. Somebody had 14 cards left in their library, and don't ask me why, but the opponent milled the top 13. Could be an archive trap, which would be like super uncommon, but maybe maybe that was it. And then literally the last card was Thassa's Oracle, and he just flipped it over and did like that awkward celebration where you like raise your hands, but you don't properly raise them. So you're like, hey. hey. <laughs> and maybe that was actually it. Maybe that yeah, was. It I right. watched it, but on mute today. And I, I think it's. Uh, yeah, because listening to the Japanese coverage would have helped. I was at work, like not working. <laughs> but um, I think the player cast it on themselves. I think the deck is meant to like just naturally draw and mill yourself out. And play Oracle. Okay, and, can, can and they were like, like, and they were like dead on board. I, I think that's the thing. Archive Trap is not in Pioneer though. Target opponent mills. Th oh, that wasn't Pioneer. I don't. I I don't think it was an Archive Trap. Okay, but I I just, I just know that the opponent had like fourteen cards and thirteen got milled, and then the last card was was yeah, yeah. Oracle. I think it was another card, and you them milling themselves. I think. Okay. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> but cool. Paradigm Shift is way better at that. <laughs> very, very much so. Dude, yeah. in the first round at Eternal Weekend, somebody was sitting right next to me, and I kid you not, turn two, they cast Thought Not Seer. Okay, I mean, it's a little out it's outdated, <laughs> like it's an old code, but it checks out. Yeah. And on turn three, do you know what they cast on turn three? You will literally never guess. Reality I mean, Smasher. Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing, dude, like Endless One. They cast Goblin Sharpelcher. Mm, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> Turn to Thought Nuts here. Okay, the coast is clear. Okay, let me get down my Goblin Charbelcher. And I was like, oh, is what, this just what's like a value? What they off? But, uh, Ancient Tombs and stuff. Are they playing Mana Severance? Yeah, they did. You, yes. you got to figure it out right <laughs> away. Like, for, for a second, I was like, dude, is this just like a value Charbelcher? Like, the worst, the world's worst cursed scroll, basically? Oh, <laughs> oh my just, god, like, Mana Severance Eldrazi. Oh god, that's wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw him, like, close-ish to me in, in the next round, so I think he might have actually won the first round. So, Sick. I don't know. That was, I mean, with a curve like that, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> if you curve into your, like, turn three value belcher. <laughs> if I was the opponent, I'd be like, I'm oh, fucking nut draws. <laughs> Absolutely not drawn, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dude, yeah, but that, that, that was great. So shout-outs shout outs to Hate on OS, OSIB on, on Twitter for, for playing this beauty of a deck. And to, to, to add to really this, this won the showcase and someone topped forward the Saturday challenge with Thoughtlash as well. Oh, is this the future? Is this mm -hmm. the future we, we, we aren't ready for? One brainstorm is the future, baby. <laughs> uh, I played three brainstorms in decks before, but that was like in a borrowed deck. <laughs> that was like when my when my friend Sergey at at Bazaar of Moxnet for like a side event on Sunday. He he was like, "Hey, tune in, let's switch decks." And I was like, "Yeah, I guess it's a side event, and and I like Sergey, so uh, yeah, let's do it." And and I, he gave me his shardless buck, which no no no, he gave me his twelve post right, and his twelve post played three copies of of. Oh, um, I used to play two brainstorm in in like blue green twelve post. Yeah, that makes sense. Wait, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it was kind of bad because you very rarely have more than one blue source in play at a time and you like didn't have that many shuffle effects. But you had like 
green sun targets and other things that you want to shuffle back and like crop rotation targets so you okay. wanted to draw like 0.8 of a brainstorm every game kind of thing it was yeah okay okay <laughs> i'm gonna trust you on that <laughs> stop bailing me yeah cool so guys should we should we take a look at the meta games that actually presented themselves Let's at these two events so in europe we had close to 800 signups the to told me that there were like 80 no-shows uh th this one source said we had 713 players i think on the ground they said something about 730 or 40 players so something between 700 and 750 players in Europe, which is like an insane That's amazing. turnout. Mm. Do you remember what we kind of guessed and predicted? Because I don't yeah, really. I, I knew I was rather negative about it. I, I, I was yeah. like, oh, people don't really know what Eternal Weekend is in Europe, but I guess they do now. So mm. I, I guessed like less than four seasons, so less than like 450 or something. Yeah. And yeah, it's almost, almost double that. I think I remember saying like five to 600 and then us feeling like that was on the higher side. Or maybe it was like seven, 800. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is absolutely amazing. Fantastic. This is this is more than I could ever hope for. There there have been GPs in the past that were smaller than this. I remember one particular, and mm. I think Mexico that had like five hundred something players. So this is this is literally the biggest legacy event in Europe ever since GP Bologna two thousand nineteen. Heck amazing. yeah, it's great. <laughs> kind of guys kind of like oh, okay whatever dude <laughs> no, <that's> <laughs> <laughs> no but this is this is amazing this is absolutely amazing and. It was also kind of interesting yeah. because we had to do signups online and pay online ahead of time, and there was literally no no way to sign up for it on the spot. Um, uh, I heard the, of some people not able to play, or well, I don't know if they got sorted out in the end. I I, expect, I, I don't think so. Like the, the the TO just told me, hey, this is like, but well, I, I guess I shouldn't reveal too much. But the, basically, the idea was that that for a TO, this is kind of cool because now you have people signing up who otherwise might not have come or only decided on short notice mm -hmm. but because they really wanted to secure their spots they signed up and like for the to in, in the end it doesn't matter whether the person sh shows up or not right yeah. but for the to it it matters whether somebody who might have not shown up at all still registers and pays ahead mm -hmm. of time because they are scared that there might be that the event might sell out right yeah i mean on i was looking at tickets like from the when they first put it up it sold out quote unquote like three times and yeah. I, i'm really really not a fan of that kind of selling tactic i think it's a bit shitty but mm, i know I mean, what you mean that, that's basically yeah. what i'm getting at it yeah. yeah so that was a low point of like just watching the watching the, the event go on but i mean the thing is they could have had a different venue in mind they could have like a smaller one but they didn't book it yet i think this probably did exceed their expectations especially at a hotel there's like this many conference rooms maybe there actually was a thing that yeah. where they literally had to upgrade to the bigger conference room so not, for not, sure, not, for sure. not giving them too much shit for that um definitely giving no. them shit for like not having the kind of prices that um car titan is putting up for the north american version and i mean People have talked about that enough. Um, there's, there's not too much to go into there. But yeah, 713 players. And this is the meta game that we saw. And I think this is kind of what we expected. 10% four-color beanstalk or five-color beanstalk. I think actually that, uh, by the way, we're drawing our stats from mtgdex.net. So shout out to them for, for putting all of this together, including the matchup data that we're going to get to in a moment. So 10% for five-color domain beanstalk, as they call it. And this is just fucking Europe, right? Especially the Italians, but also the Germans to a degree. Like, people just love these kinds of grindy, dirty mid-range control <laughs> decks. This oh, is, heck yeah. I, At the same time, 10% being the highest representation is pretty good. That's a good number, yeah, really. That's very healthy, really. 
I think for paper that's that's more of a thing, right? I, I remember Suppose. back 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 in the days, Canadian threshold was called the nine percent deck because literally no event would ever have more than nine percent of a single deck. Okay. So yeah, as you guys mentioned, like ten percent, uh, it's on the high end already. I don't want the meta game to okay. like have more of something like that. But to, 10% to me, is my tolerable. like mental thing is like thirteen, fourteen is where it's oh, problematic numbers. Very much but so. Ten, ten yeah. feels like a fine one to be at the top. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if it's such, such a clunky. Also, deck. like also, we probably want to mention that the domain beanstalk deck. You know, this is just the the main category, and under, under domain beanstalk, there are like four or five subcategories, right? Of um, like four color beanstalk decks that go like Murktide region, and then or like five color decks with like maybe the ring, maybe almost no creatures except Uro. There's like yeah. so many different. They, they what they all have in common is like a a terrible mana base. <laughs> and, and up the beanstalks somewhere. But like if you trigger them with and Triumph of St. Catherine or like Hooting Mandrels or I don't even know. If you're a 4-H, it doesn't really matter, right? Like This is when you go to the supermarket and go to the different soup section. Oh. And it's just all different flavors, all different kinds, but they're all soups. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, I think they, they had one extra category, which was like, I think, three or four color Euro, which I believe literally were decks without beanstalk or ring. Okay. So yeah, but you, you you guys make a good point. So it's it's there are certain differences between let's say proper five color and then there's like four color without reds, four right. color without black, and and that kind of stuff. So there there's differences for sure. Yeah, we're mm -hmm. not even talking about Yorion, right? Like there are like so many different op um, options how to play beanstalk. It's yeah, it's actually like very it, a lot of different colors of soup. You you, yeah. you got me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Cool. Then second uh, second most played deck. Uh, this one is actually shared between Blue Black Scam and Grixis Tempo, they call it. I guess Grixis Diver, and sometimes they are Diverless, so that makes sense. Um, two basically Tempo decks. Then fourth place, and I think not a lot of people expected that, it's lands in 6%. Mm. Crazy. I've been to tournaments like in uh, MKM Rome where the lands was literally the most played deck in the in the meta game now it's in fourth place i'm i think that could also be, be like a thing of of just like if you're a lance player you are a lance player and you uh, play lance every like even if you play any kind of board game you are the lance player guy. i was about to make the exact same com comment it's a expensive deck with tabernacle and mox diamonds and it's a very very loved deck by players and it's quite an old deck so you've got a lot more paper players than online as well and yeah, if you're a lands player, you play lands and you like lands. Obviously, there's lots of exceptions. There's people that have multiple decks, or there's people that you know jump between. But yeah, you know, I think it's one of these decks that has a really dedicated player base. So I'm not surprised to see higher numbers. I am surprised to see how it did, which we'll find out soon. But uh, oh, I, I actually I played against lands. Mm -hmm. I played against one lands guy in in the tournament, and the the whole match was like glacial. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> And I think I won the first game after literally 50 minutes. Holy shit. Oh, 50 gosh. minutes. It, it took forever <clears throat> because, I, I mean, that's getting into too much stuff. It, it basically took forever. Mm -hmm. And I, at some point, like, I, I was basically dead for most of the match, but I felt like, ah, you're leaving the door open just enough for me to still hang in there instead of trying to win the second or the third game. And literally after 50 minutes, I, I could, like, grind out a niche where I was just able to kill him with Painter Grindstone and get there. And yeah, needless to say, like his face was like, 
oh, this is this is not going to end well for me now, right? That's the match. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Cool. Then we got five uh, percent shared between Eightcast, Painter, and Boros Initiative. I guess no surprises there, especially Eightcast, that, considering that it has like no reserveless cards, is very popular. And to round it out at four percent, we got Blue Black Shadow, Reanimator, and hey, Death in Texas. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I guess it makes a lot of sense. This is like looks really healthy to me. Good spread, a lot of decks that you know people like and are good. Seems really mm-hmm. cool. Mm. Also, surprisingly little combo. Yeah, right? I was, I was other than look gonna, at it. I was just going to mention that, but it's probably based on then the the second and the third most played deck, like Demir, Scam, and Grix Tempo. Like those yeah. decks, just keeping combo decks in check, especially Sneak and Show and Doomsday stuff like that. Combo mm-hmm. didn't do badly though, right? Like, I mean it's kind of on the players but you said your friend came ninth with doomsday mark de yeah. is obviously oh dude i'm dude are we talking about mark because yeah. I, I i gotta confess something right like i'm uh i'm kai Savatari and i'm the official biggest fanboy of mark <laughs> Tobias. i've i've been a long-term fan as well because he just he's such a brewer and plays his own things and does his own thing i'm a huge did, huge dude, fan of did, it. did you see that he also went he was the only undefeated player in the uh in the main event in asia too yep. oh he, he, he was, he was like he, he there were two undefeated players yeah. right and he played against oops spies and lost at eight and all yeah oh shit. Yeah. okay okay I'm- yeah it, it was actually it was okay now that we're at it let's actually get straight into that um we're going to talk about the japanese meta game in a moment because yeah. that had okay. some surprises yep. mark <laughs> and another guy were the only eight and o's in the tournament out of 10 rounds and at that point it's it's, I don't want to say it's safe to draw because we just talked about Sebastian Zeller who who did that and then had to play the last round and got ninth place. But if, if Mark posted on Twitter that he actually was safe to draw pretty much um, looking at tiebreakers and stuff, but his, his like chat like brain didn't like think about it. He could have literally drawn in the ninth or the tenth round and been in. He played both and lost both, which is so tragic, right? Oh my yeah. god! Like oh you could have literally top eighted both events, maybe even won the Japanese event. And yeah, he lost to Upsar's Bears, and I don't know what he lost against in the tenth round. But at eight and two, there was no chance he was going to make it. So sucks yeah. so much. I love how he can just absolutely crush with Doomsday, but then his jet lag brain can't work out like pairings and stuff. Yeah, because you you already lo- uh, use all your brain power for Doomsday pairs. I suppose right? so. I suppose. Yeah. So. Is there, by the way, Kai, is there some kind of like dance around how you agree on an ID in, in Japan? Is that like a cultural thing, or is it just like with us where you just like you sit down, hey, ID, okay, GG? Ah, uh, like ID. No, I I think it's pretty much the same. It's pretty much the same. But um, Japanese tends to be too polite to offer it sometimes because they don't want to step on someone's toe. You know, because they. They can't. They don't know for sure if both players are gonna make it, right? And if imagine if uh, if the other player doesn't make it, that'll be like a really feel bad moment. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. So so I'm saying like I I had a couple of situations where where I comfortably drew into even top sixteen or whatever. But you see this stuff more often um, in European countries. I want to say especially where people like love to negotiate and you know like talk about their arts and, and, and things like that. Oh, is, that is that our reputation in Europe? That, that we are like negotiators, bargainers? Yeah, I think I so. had no idea. That, that was like the first impression I got when, when I uh, moved back from, um, from Japan to Europe. I mean, I, that... I certainly, I have a couple of people in mind who are very much like that in Europe to the point where it actually pisses yeah. off a lot of other people, but yeah. Like like the, sometimes that they, yeah, they, uh, they discuss more about like the, the arts of 
making it or not like and that takes longer than the actual game I'm like okay. that's true that's true yeah but it's even worse when it happens on a camera feature much yeah yeah it should not happen <laughs> i think that they also pick um pairings that are not safe to draw right because otherwise it would be kind of awkward I, I once made top eight at an mkm it was mkm frankfurt 2017 also like a giant one and playing the last round i won and my opponent was like good uh, congratulations for top eight and i told him no I literally made ninth place. I'm like next to 100% sure. And then when they called out the top eight, they were like, and in eighth place, Judy and Knapp. And I was like, whoa, what? how did that happen? Because I, I literally did the tiebreaker math and it made absolutely no sense. And I even wrote an, an entire article about this afterwards, why this happened. And you know what happened in that event? They picked table two for the feature match, which was safe to draw. Both players were safe to draw into top eight. But the players were like, hey, they picked us for the feature match. This is weird. Like, yeah, we maybe play. we shouldn't draw. And then they played it out, and the guy who lost actually ended up behind me, and that's how I got into ninth place. Oh, crazy. And into eighth place. Yeah. <laughs> so, in a way, the TO screwed up because they, they picked a match that was safe to draw. But yeah, what, what can you do? <laughs> but yeah, dude, like, big, 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 big shout outs to, um, to Mark. Like, I mm. also talked to Mark um, after the main event. Like, he was super exhausted. And, um, but we basically, like, he also knew about my Doomsday build. And, like, we talked about, like, the old difference because the decks have almost nothing in common it's it's crazy to say like i i played a league just before the stream uh just before the recording here session and i almost trophied i i lost the the third game for the trophy against um a, a really skilled naya devs player who knew exactly what to do against doomsday but this mark tobias doomsday deck is a it's good gas, right? it, dude it's a good stuff deck it's it's not it's not it's it's a control deck that eventually wins with doomsday where he's my Doomsday deck is a combo deck that also runs counter magic. That's a good way to put it. And I think a lot of like the successful Doomsday decks in the past, they, they also had that aspect of like, hey, I'm a control deck. And then my win condition is Doomsday instead of like Chase or, or whatever, right? Yeah. Like, dude, like Mark's deck, like Mark's deck goes Tundra, Tropical, Island. And you sometimes don't even know and, it's Doomsday, right? Yeah. It's, Doesn't it's he a, also have like Sotsu Plowshares? It's a band. Yeah, or something? Yeah, in Prismatic Ending. It's a band mana base almost with a couple of underground seeds, I guess. But So so at some point, like if you happen to, I don't know, Surgical Extract uh, Dark Ritual, he's almost struggling to cast Doomsday. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but yeah, that deck, is, that deck is insane. And I've seen it on camera and also I've seen your stream with it. And the ring does a lot of work. I mean, the, the ring is almost <clears throat> the dream card for Doomsday, except for that it costs four mana, which makes the whole thing a little bit more awkward. But if, if you ever get the ring down, I mean, yeah, of course, every deck is, legacy deck is great if you have the ring. But I feel especially Doomsday is completely insane once you get the ring down. Yeah, like, I mean, drawing extra cards with the one ring is already powerful, but if you know the cards you're going to draw with the one ring, that's even better. Yeah, right? it's it's <laughs> completely broken. That's like Demonic Tutor for free times X. So, yeah. so Mark got the, the top four in Europe. He got the, well, I guess he would have still gotten top 16 in Japan. He virtually was top eight at some point. And America, he's coming from for you. From what I've seen, from the way he posted on Twitter, it very much looked like he's also going to fly to the US to play in Pittsburgh. Oh, Mark, you got this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You America, like, you, is, is that you, the easiest? Gotta, is yeah, that you yeah. saying that's the easy eternal weekend, like North America? Oh, is that's that going to be the easiest one. But, oh, yeah. is it? <laughs> Say the three like European guys on, on the cast. <laughs> I think there are a couple of us skilled Doomsday players in the US, like Max Carini, for example, like Wanda Pro. Um, uh -huh. he, I could crazy. definitely, I could definitely see him in one of the top seeds um, of the main event. Absolutely agree. Yeah. Also, by the way, shout-outs to H.J. Kaiser. 
like HJ also got really close to making top eight in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he went to the fu- the vintage finals in Europe and lost there, but he also went eight and two in Japan. And we always talk about right when is he gonna complete the triple crown? Because HJ, he's got a eternal weekend win in Europe. He's got an eternal weekend win in North America. We are all waiting for him to to complete the triple crown and get the eternal weekend win in Asia. Okay, He'll do on. it for sure. I I hate to say it because it's like I'm just numb to him doing well. I was out. Um, while the vintage was streaming, I came back just when the, the finals was like starting. I turned it on and I wasn't like, oh, hey, it's a friend in the finals. Awesome. It was like, oh, it's HJ, of course. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so like, of course he's, yeah. He's the thing just is, so like, good. I think he's he's got like a second baby in the making or something. I yeah. think he, he talked about how he might have to scale back like his, his domination and crushing of international I tournaments. I not second. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> that was actually the, the biggest talk. Um, I feel that weekend everybody was talking about how they have like babies coming up and everything is going to change. So yeah, let's let's see how magic is gonna change for that. Okay, that's a little bit too deep. Yeah. <laughs> so what but, was the uh, meta game like in <laughs> in Japan? Okay, yeah. so Japan had six hundred and fifty eight players, and holy fuck, dude, this is the most flavorful first most placed deck I could ever imagine for Japan. I'm pretty sure you photoshopped <laughs> this, but like, <laughs> what? The, yeah. the most played deck in Eternal Weekend Legacy Asia in Japan was Sneak and Show of at seven percent. Yeah. How? How this is, is almost the- like this is yeah. so stereotypical. Like Japan likes big, scary monsters like Godzilla. And oh, yeah. I, I don't know, like what other big monsters? Gundams, Gundams, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not monsters, but they're still big and scary. <laughs> and it's literally the most played deck. I mean, it, it shares the top spot with with Rock Tempo uh, at also seven percent. But yeah, it's listed as the most played deck here. Kai, is, is, has that been your experience playing in um, Japan? That they just like love Sneak and Show? Yeah, that was also the case like a couple of years ago in like 2018 and 17, like when I was really active and in the in the legacy scene in Tokyo. Um, sneak. I, I I don't. I really don't know what uh, what's up with sneak and show, but peep. It's almost like a, like a party game, right? Like where where you, <laughs> yeah, you, you, spin the wheel. Yeah, you you cast your show until and you know it's 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 like okay, haha, let's flip the let's flip the card and and uh, and see what happens, kind of kind of thing. And um, what did you bring to the party? I, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 quick. It's easy. It's consistent. And I also know a bunch of people who already like foiled out the sneak and show decks entirely. I've never known Sneak Show. I don't know. Yeah, like dude, like Sneak. Yeah, like, apparently, yeah, like Sneak Show is like a lifestyle in Japan. Not so much in <laughs> Europe. Sneak and Show lifestyle. Like, yeah, dude. Like, I mean, we call it like Ape and Show, and like, like <laughs> the monkey deck, you know. Yeah. And Japanese are kind of like celebrating it. I, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, Fair enough, yeah. Jim. But yeah, uh, second most played Rock Tempo. Uh, third and fourth most, and third most, uh, and fifth most played deck, uh, all at 6%, are once again Grixis Tempo, Reanimator, and Boris Initiative. Dude, the Reanimator in, in fourth place, like, they really love the big scary monsters mm. over there. Oh, yeah. Then we got Beanstalk at 5%, like, the domain Beanstalk, shared with Blue Black Scam. Followed by Death and Texas, 4%, then Paint uh, Paint 4%, and 12 Post at 4%. Mm-hmm. So w- once you take away like Sneak and Show at the top, it looks similar-ish to Europe, right? There's there's nothing that really sticks out there. I think this is a, these are pretty much no the same eight, decks no except for 12 Post. Yeah, there's no 8 cost. Um... Yeah, because like, you know, Japanese players, they have like all the decks and all the money. Yeah. I mean, that's that's uh, totally the most bullshit explanation I could come up with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it probably was just like... A bit lower, I guess. But yeah, I, w- I would guess so. So yeah, uh, guys, should we? You know, the most interesting thing to me was because MTG decks not only gives us the meta uh, and what's it called 
it's actually called mtgdex.net. Uh, there, there's too many <laughs> MTG websites, MTG Top 8, and MTG Dex, MTG whatever. They also give us the win rates. And of course, it only makes sense once you look at a certain sample size. And even that, for example, 200 matches, it's still somewhat too small, I guess. Uh, but it's 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 a good it's a good cutoff because at that point you catch a lot of the most played decks. So what we did is we looked at the most played decks in Europe, those who have at least 200 matches locked in these respective events, Europe and, and Japan, and we uh, ranked them by win rate. So let's start with Europe. And in Europe, to my surprise and pleasure, the deck that had the highest win rate at 56% was actually Painter. Hey! Let's go! Let's go, Painter, right? It shares the top spot with Boris Initiative, so both are 56%. Plateau Master Race. <laughs> Who would have thought, right? Uh, I, I, to me, it was like more about Ancient Tomb. I think like a year ago, yes. we, we called it the uh, Ancient Tomb as the best card in Legacy at this point. Like, I still I guess think these it days, is. You still think it is? Yeah, it's it's tied with Brainstorm to me now. Yeah, but some people only play one Brainstorm. The, the, the decline right. of Brainstorm is going to be the episode <laughs> title, right? <laughs> Don't do it, no. Brainstorm oh, is a lot see. better than it was recently, but I still think Ancient Tomb is... Like, yeah, tied, but maybe the best. Kai, is there a Doomsday deck we can make with Ancient Tomb? Like, it goes against everything Doomsday wants to do. Unban Astrolabe. I'm just thinking, like, you know, so if you play Brainstorm and Ancient Tomb, it, it, it has to be the best deck in Legacy, right? Definitely. Yeah, that's how it works. Okay. Yeah, you know what? The, the thing about these two decks is actually I thought about this on the way home from work today. Because traditionally, what we did with Ancient Tomb is we fueled some kind of combo, right? Uh, mostly like. I don't, uh, um, not traditionally, but we we we. we it, uh, I think if your opponent goes turn one ancient tomb, you think show and tell. You you didn't think like uh, I don't know chalice or whatever. Um, it, it became a thing then for a couple of years, especially during the miracle years, where it, it went more into that. But mm-hmm. now that that's less of a thing, and I think also chalice is less of a thing. I think we are back at where where ancient tomb is is more like some random mid-range deck as Painter or, or Boris Initiative. So mm, yeah. what I'm trying to talk myself into is, is the whole idea yeah. of whether there are more mid-range decks out there that utilize Ancient Tomb that are not completely all in on the whole Stompy idea. For example, Painter is a good example, right? We, we, we just use it. I, I, I guess it's a Saga's piece of the puzzle there because yes. it's a Saga and Ancient Tomb pair, pair up so well. I think without, without Saga... Uh, Ancient Tomb will be back out of the question and like Brainstorm is by far the best but mm-hmm. Saga is part of the puzzle for sure I mean Initiative doesn't play Saga but almost every, all the others do there's like the mono black kind mm. of helm or not helm decks some play it some don't it's a mix but I think yeah, it's still well, right? yes yeah so Acast and Painter obviously do and some of the mono black kind of helmy decks do as well uh, it's Ancient Tomb is like a lands green deck as well. that can use it there probably is honestly there's a lot of really cool dinosaurs in the new set Silver and Pluck <laughs> coming back. Here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Khan and Ancient Stirrings. And... <laughs> oh, do Trev post at some point. No, so yeah, yeah. We, we we got these two decks as, as the most powerful uh, or the best performing in the format right now. Then in third place at forty at 54%, we got Blue Black Scam. Then we got Lance at 52%, still respectable. Grixis Delva and Death and Texas at 51%. Beanstalk. Balanced as all things should be at exactly 50%, just as 8-cast. And then we got Reanimator, which traditionally always doesn't do very well. It's got 45%, which is pretty bad. 
And I feel that's always like the kind of story for a reanimator. Also, like when you look at most challenges, yeah, there, there will be like one person in the top eight. But then when you look at the actual win rate, it's always around like 40, 47 percent. Oh, it's it's 45%. the like someone wins at 10-0, but with a 23 percent win rate. It's like, yeah, every time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, these are um, is, is there any kind of takeaway you take away from the European uh, results here? I thought eight cast would be a little bit higher, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. 50 seems a bit low to me. I am as exactly the same as you. I'm quite surprised painted it was this high. Mm-hmm. Um, I would think those two would kind of switch, honestly. Oh, you would have had eight cast higher. I would think eight cast. I think the, the thing part about eight cast is that it's like pretty susceptible to to like hate mm-hmm. to to especially sure. like the the kind of like null rod Karn hate what have you. And while painter also suffers from that, it, it's still better at playing against that. And I, I think like for a couple of months, the whole idea in the format has been, hey, artifacts are really good. Like you 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 got to do something against the artifacts. These days, it's like so normal to have like meltdown in, in your sideboard. It's of true. Basically it's any true. Deck that mm-hmm. can play it. Mm-hmm. There was a time, like, I guess six-ish months ago, where people had Emeralds or Guy's Blessings in the sideboard a lot because Painter kind of... Everyone recognized that actually oh, it's, it's quite good again. And then those have all declined. You know, you rarely see it at the moment. So this is where Painter can, you know, get back to being pretty good again. And then it's cyclical. Um, yeah, so I'm not surprised to see it do well. I'm just surprised to see it, you know, at the top of the, mm-hmm. top of the castle. I, I would not be surprised if, like, Initiative was the sole deck at the top though i think that deck is amazing like, is so yeah good. this is this is like terrifying to me like if yeah. you compare it to japan to like 56 percent win percentage and like like we talked about this previously right like how boros initiative just doesn't care about okish Bowmaster and does not care about veil of summer it mm-hmm. does like it, it it just sidesteps so many things like the common problems in legacy right now it just completely ignores them I would say it actually does care about Bowmasters quite a lot because two mana and two bodies at Flash is pretty good against initiative. But gen- I agree with you in general, though. Oh, yeah. The thing yeah. is, like, they, they got that uh, Chaos, Caves of Chaos Adventure with Trample and the uh, Seasoned Dungeoneer is basically unblockable. Mm. So I agree. Like, against certain draws, it's it, it does something. And it especially helps with getting back the initiative yeah. uh, at Flash. And, like, uh, to and get into speed. the weeds a little bit, I think... Um, four color beanstalk with four bowmasters is the best version of it because bowmasters helps you with the initiative matchup. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's kind of similar to um, like the 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 band control decks with Icefang Quartal, right? Like how mm-hmm. Icefang Quartal could take back the initiative. That, like... that card is banned. Sorry, we don't talk about that card. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> but no, jokes aside, I totally get it. It is exactly the same theory. Like a, a f- you can leave up removal or some other interaction, and then if they slam an initiative creature, you can play something to the board that you know they need to re- have a removal spell for as well, which is hard when you play a creature. Yeah. It's, it's sure. kind of funny, right? For, when you think about Icefang Kotal, how, how like it's not a card anymore at all. Whereas it used to be like one of the main reasons people played these decks. And that beautiful, beautiful Baleful Strix. Oh, oh man. Yeah. Baleful Strix has been outcast on so many levels these days. It's actually crazy. No, it's just because it's so bad against Bowmasters. Like, yeah, and also like Kotler is usually just better. Uh, ah, okay. <laughs> Underground Sea is better than Tropical Island, though. Uh, okay, <laughs> I think if Bowmasters okay. wasn't in the format, Strix would be played a lot still. Yeah. But yeah. So, anyway. so, so one thing I want to quickly mention, if we expand our scope a little bit, so if we not only take the, the decks that have played at least 200 matches, but we also look at the decks that have played at least 100 matches, we also see another deck at the top. And Ooh, yeah. it's it it depends like on how much you want to read into it. Of course, like the, the, the lower your sample size, the less significant the results are going to be. So we, we could go like really low and there's one person who played like, I don't know, 
mono black red control and they had like the 95% win rate and somehow didn't make top 8 or something. I mean, you, you get the idea, right? Yeah, yeah. But if we, if we expand the scope a little bit and we look at decks with at least 100 matches, there's one deck that sits even on top of Painter and Boros Initiative and that is Dragon Stompy, Moon Stompy, uh, I don't know what we call it these days, you, you get the idea, mm-hmm. at 58%, which is already like, 58% nice. is crazy for Legacy terms. That's huge, yeah. Moon Stompy is good because it's got that incredible new card, the Broadside Bombardiers. Oh, that card is so good. It's insanely good. It's way better than I expected it to be. I've it, played yeah. against it a couple of times by now and every time, like, I in kind of, like, in my head, I missed that it has haste. Mm-hmm. and menace actually should, should, should we quickly mention what it does um, yeah. <laughs> it's actually completely broken it's called broadside bombardier yeah. correct me if I'm wrong on any yeah, of this right. but it's two colorless and a red it's a 3-3 three, three yeah, okay oh see okay there's some balance it's a 2-2 two, two <laughs> with menace and haste yeah and when it's is it riot when a creature no or when it's it attacked? Um, boast oh, you, it's you boast, wanna take yeah. this so basically, yeah, sure. It's got boast, which is I'm I'm going off memory here, but is um, after it's attacked, you can use this boast ability, which is sacrifice an artifact or creature. But broadside bombardiers deals two damage plus the CMC of the sacrificed artifact or creature to any target. So you can, I mean, the most disgusting thing this deck does is second main phase evoke a fury and then throw the fury at their face for seven damage. Yeah. That, that, that's uh, it's kind of funny because that's what a friend of mine also said and at least in my games it, it never really worked out that way no, but i think the best thing is just to like throw an extra chromox or like a, a chalice to kill a creature or something just okay, deal so two th- damage or you know you could deal two with a goblin token or five with a rabble master or that's been blocked and like you know the one creature blocking it but the main thing i think that comes up is because it has menace it's very hard to block because you can attack with it if it get dub- gets double blocked you can throw something at to kill one of the blockers as well and yeah it, that, that's actually how it worked out for me most of the time because you're heavily incentivized to to, bl- to kill it in combat so it doesn't can't do the disgusting things you mentioned uh post combat or post mm-hmm. damage at least and so the way it worked out in most of my games was that they would play this. You would need to make some really awkward blocks in order to stay alive or like play around some, something that could happen. And they would, after declaring attackers, they would already sacrifice a creature to clear out your blocker so that you won't be able to block mm-hmm. or, or that makes your blocks even worse if, if you still commit to them. And that's the most common way the most common play pattern the other one is that it's in some kind of goblin deck and they sh- they just like throw a ringleader at you for like six damage or, or max is fate yeah <laughs> yeah or max is like for completely broken stuff yeah but yeah. It, it for me the way it played out and in, in uh, the couple of games actually there are quite a few i've played against them it, it's really it's not the the ceiling which is like co completely crazy deal all the damage in the world to you and it's also like not the low end because there's no low end to this card. Even the low end is like already in the middle somewhere. And yeah, it it, it would just like make combat math horrible for you, completely horrible. Mm-hmm. And it's actually kind of crazy that this card has haste. <laughs> it's I don't know what happened there. Yeah, but this card is really really good. It is. It's I it's re- I would not read this card and think it's good. It's you need to see it in action and you need other people. To, I needed other people to tell me it's good. I probably wouldn't have really noticed it, but um. Yeah. I only fully noticed it on the on the train to uh, to Prague because somebody uh, um, uh, in, in the same area where I was sitting, he was like, "Hey, have you heard about broadside bombardiers?" I'm like, "Yeah, kind of." And then he played it and was like, "Whoa, this holy is just, shit. just like holy shit, this is good." <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're you're totally right. The the median is like so hard to play against. It's just a nightmare card. Yeah. So yeah. So uh, let's also quickly touch on what did badly in Europe. 
<laughs> Dude, there are some stinkers out there. Holy <laughs> shit. So for this one, you had to, you had to apply um, uh, a threshold of at least 75 matches uh, because turns out people play a lot of decks that just do well, except for Reanimator. So w once you lower the threshold, you get to look into the dirty side, the deep down ugly <laughs> side of Legacy. And yeah, there's just no way around it. The worst deck in Europe with at least a consider considered... Uh, considerable amount of matches it's burn uh -oh. it, won, it was it was <laughs> it won less than a third of its matches it has a 30 percent win rate it's just what just can you say had. about burn ay, 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 ay. i think yeah. i think most of the wins are probably versus uh scam or like people trying to reanimate troll of cuts or dooms maybe I, yeah. dude, I actually i looked into this uh we were talking about it on, on some facebook chat that we have and the most uh, like they actually had a positive win rate against shadow I think it was Doomsday and Death in Texas. Mm. And I'm if, not sure about Doomsday, actually, now that, that I mention it. you know what oh, it? Yeah, no, because uh, no, we, we lose every time they have uh, Fire Blast because Doomsday can't beat Fire Blast. Is that so? No, actually, you know, I yeah. looked into it. Let me, let me check. No, it, it, okay, here's the thing. It had a positive matchup against Death in Texas, Reanimator, re and Shadow. So I guess that's the idea, right? You play Burn or what, what I'm going to put in my sideboard. Oh, let's just put a bunch of, like, Graveyard Hate because that's the easiest stuff. thing to put there. So, yeah, but other than that, it got crushed in pretty much every matchup, and that's how the 30% win rate came about. And we also talked about this, right? And it, it, for quite a long time, Burn has not been the deck, the go-to deck for, like, people trying to, like, budget into Legacy. It, it just, like, doesn't hold up anymore these days. No, it's way too outclassed in power level. Arose in the format has been for a yeah. long time now. It's just, it's just bad. Sorry, Burn players. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think if if you're on a budget, uh, eight cast, uh, eight cast. Like I mean, we're still talking about legacy, but I guess that's one way. I still like the idea of like using like rainbow depth to get into the format, which also doesn't mm -hmm. use any any kind of um, reserveless cards. Uh, and I mean, at that point, we're still talking about decks that don't allow proxy uh, events that don't allow proxies, right? A, lo a lot of the like smaller mid-sized events yeah. these days, especially in Europe, allow proxies. There's also mono black shells. Um, if you just shut up mm -hmm. some ancient tombs, if you're like a pioneer player. Or if you're a modern player with Bowmasters, Shieldreds, Griefs, get some opposition agents. Like you can totally play a mono black deck. As yeah, well. and mm. I think if you if you want to play something that has a little more options to exp eventually expand to something else, I think Rhinos is actually a really good choice. Especially if you like if oh, you're a yeah. modern player, a modern player, and you ha already have Rhinos at that point, you're buying forces. And yeah, some duels, but you, you can make it work, right? I think Rhinos is a very good choice I think for that. you could just play all Shocks to start and then get one Trop, one Volk, and it's yeah. probably totally fine. Because yeah, games just... don't last that long where you need multiple. Exactly. Like You, you never block. You only attack. <laughs> right? until, you hit, until you hit the mirror. <laughs> there, there's, there, there's no such thing as... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, it's, 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 uh, it's not ideal, but it, it's one of those decks that can rather make it work. Uh, like, for example, um, I don't know, if you played four, five color beanstalk, you would get slaughtered if you played <laughs> Shocklands. That's just yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Okay, so here's the second first deck in Europe, and that is Sneak Show, which only won 40% <laughs> of his matches. And I have to... I have to mention this, um, MTG decks, I think they make a difference between, they distinguish between Sneak Show and Omnitel. So I think this is specifically Sneak Show, not Omnitel. Okay. okay. May, may, may I say something about this? I Go think ahead. I think um, the reason behind Sneak and Show being so poorly like numbered is that I imagine, like, this is a paper magic event, right? Like, you don't have access to all the cards. And I can imagine that... I'm, um, 
like given that we had more than 700 players for the event i think a decent amount of those players were like there, there were players who maybe played legacy like every like maybe like twice three times a year maybe but they still had the second show deck from 2018 17 and they just thought well you know my deck didn't get any new cards i guess that's a good thing except atroxa maybe I'm just gonna run it into this tournament, right? Because I know what I'm doing. Like I, I knew what I did like five years ago, so I, I can oh, definitely you, you, I, like you hate old cards and you two for one your opponent every time. Yeah, it's that, that, that exactly, <laughs> right? Like Sneaky Show is such a such an easy pickup for someone who is not completely up to date on Legacy, but still wants to grind some games and do reasonably well. Um, and like the, these type of players might especially pick up something like Sneaky Show and. And probably they lost a, a lot of games because they didn't like properly read the meta game, or maybe they I don't know activated Gristlebrand with an Orcish Bowmaster in play or something like that, mm -hmm. right? By the way, I think we, we we already talked about this in the last episode, but one of the best indicators on how Sneak Show is doing is you literally you just go to mtggoldfish.com slash player slash jpi93 and yeah, you check Jay out when his last <laughs> top eight was. And I think he has some kind of like crisis right now. He he tweeted about that he hasn't top eight anything since september which is like a quarter of a year away almost like i mean he hasn't played sneak show in, in many of those he tried every once and then and apparently it's just like not working out for him so if you're a sneak show player and you have the ability to play something else at uh, i don't know your, yeah. your upcoming event maybe you know no. maybe that's just like oh uh, like now is the time to prove that you're better than jpa <laughs> okay okay so other decks that didn't do well uh are cephalop breakfast at 45 percent uh i think people already have talked about quite a bit about like how bowmasters are a problem and then the cephalop Bre breakfast players are like actually it's not and then it turns out to still kind of be i guess i mean yeah and then green white depth 45 percent and yeah uh, we once again arrive at reanimator um <laughs> which also yeah. only at 45 i'm so. surprised by depths i think the deck is pretty good i think mm -hmm. it's better than that Maybe it's people trying out Legolas's quick reflexes and the card not being as good as they thought, potentially. But I think it's good in that as well. I know Tagoras was playing it at this event. I think Tagoras said he was like so all about the card. If, yeah. if I remember correctly, I think he yeah, really, yeah. really liked it. Like very much liked the card. Yeah, I believe so. Um, So I'm just surprised that, that it didn't do so well. I, th I think it's better than this 45%. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, at some point, you, especially since the, the sample size is getting smaller and smaller as we look into this, yeah. there's not too much... I say this after just trashing Sneak Show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That one kind of makes more sense in a field of griefs and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, yeah, I agree, I agree. Yeah. By the way, can, can we quickly talk about Legolas Quick Reflexes? Because I, I underestimated the card. Oh, it's the card crazy. is really good. Like, it's, it's pretty really, really good. I think it, it it's a card with very real debt building restrictions, because... The card at like face value is is pretty busted. Like it's just highly uninteractive, yeah. and it does some gross things. Its best home is in fact, surely. It seems insane there. A green white depths makes a ton of sense as well. Like you just you can make a merit age in in peace, and like only edict effects can kind of get you really. It's also crazy with knight because you know you can tap knight and then untap it. Blah blah blah. Go crazy with maze of Ith, but. You, you know <laughs> what, what I've uh, actually I haven't seen it, but um, uh, Inigo Runko um, told me about this, and that actually made him want to play like proper combo elves again. He's he told me about a board state where the opponent had a bunch of big creatures like Merc Tide and lots of different things, and the combo elves player had Nettle Sentinel and Legolas Crick Reflexes, 
And you can imagine how that went down, oh right? Oh my god. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's <dude>. so cool. <laughs> yeah. Especially like once once you had like untap effects, then you, like you not only do you get to to tap it again yeah. for for, for like the mana creation ability, now it untaps, and then you can untap it again with your wireless simulator. Oh my God. It's it, like you, one Legolas quick reflexes, gunned down an entire board of like a couple of Davas, Merc Tides, Dragon Rage Chandler, oh, everything beautiful. out there. Just if like, I was the opponent, I would be completely shell shocked. Like, what yeah. just hit me? Holy. Oh, Smart yeah. Smith, eat your yeah. heart out. I mean, yeah. Legolas quick reflexes. Legolas yeah. is just like, you know, now in, how in the movies he's just like shoot, shooting down all the orcs. Many arrows. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and then you shoot on the Merc Titan and give me he's like, that one still only counts for one or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't cool. only fun though, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this is this is the European side of things. So now let's actually take a look at Japan. What happened in Japan where we had a similar meta game except for like at the top end. And in Japan, holy shit. Like guys, you remember our predictions, right? Yeah. yeah I think Callum, you actually went through them. Um, I went through them today to get them, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. so we all expected there to be three to four four-color control decks in the top eight. And we completely missed that in Europe, right? Uh, mm-hmm. European top eights, um, we, we're going to talk about that, but that had no four-color top eight. When the results came in, I was like, oh, shit, we're dumb. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were very dumb. Actually, maybe quickly go about it, as we already mentioned them. The European results, we got Julian Jakobowicz, Juju Bean 2004 in first place with Rock Diver. I think he also won Vintage last year, right? Or yeah, did he, he won, did the he won on, Legacy the twice. One. He did Vintage, yeah. Vintage. He, he did. He won Vintage, and I think he also top eighted Legacy last year. And yeah. now he top eighted again, and this time he also takes it home. Like this guy is completely on fire, completely busted, mind blowingly on fire. Yeah. Not even close. Like I think he also he won the Vintage Challenge just yesterday. He did. Like as well, what yeah. is going on? Like he's like how old is he? Like nineteen? He's on a gap year in, in Porto right now. I think that's right. Like he's yeah. he's coming to Europe and just hanging out and winning all these tournaments. Like this is completely busted. How to make money? Um, he's just written a, a cyborg guide and a whole like you know primer on Rugdelva, and he's selling. I bought that one. Fifteen dollars, I think. So go check out his Twitter if you're interested in the deck. I I actually bought that one. Because, oh, you did. You know, if, if, cool. if, yeah, if Rugdelva is available to play, dude, I wanna play it. And cool. it's 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 somewhat short but very dense nice. like it, it's not the typical primer where people go on about their lives and then they took the dog for a walk and then they got this <laughs> idea no it's 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 written very densely so he he, he goes about basically I, I guess since he's selling it i don't want to spoil it too much but mm-hmm. the whole idea of why he placed the deck is he thinks or he rather realized that Rock Diver is the deck that literally has no bad matchups except for Seth, like the combo heavy version of cephalic breakfast Mm. And that's why he wants to play the deck. And you know that that re- like that line. I think he advertised this guide or something like that. On maybe even tweeted about it. That that no really matchups. got me going. That <laughs> made me want to buy the thing because I, I know Kai. You feel the same, right? If if there's anything rock Delverish available in the format to play, like that's that's our champ. That's what we want to do. Yeah, even without even without Nimble Mongoose, but still. But yeah. Kai doesn't like uh, the questing beast. Druid. Questing druid. <laughs> oh, I like. <laughs> I changed my mind. Kidding. You know, it happens every now and then. But I'm hey. just kidding. Kidding. <laughs> it's a, it's a sign of an expanding mind or something that, that you change your mind or something. <laughs> I guess. True. Yeah. So yeah, he 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 crushed a tournament. He's so smart. He's so good. And dude, he's just still only nineteen. I think he already made more life 
want money in his entire life than I did. Okay, maybe, maybe not. Okay, that's, that's really too much. But those paintings and those top eight promos, holy shit, they, they are like such an incentive to do this. And I've talked to some people who are basically flying around the world playing in all three events, and they actually mentioned that if you only top eight one of those events, you get one of those special promos that you get for top eight, right? I think they, they in the past, they sold for like 500000 uh, 500, for $5,000. <laughs> $5, uh, so you, you kind of basically cover your expenses almost so that that's mm. certainly another incentive there nice just got to top eight until the weekend yeah it's easy like we, <laughs> we mentioned this right when, when we did we didn't get anything like we, we got this lousy shirt or something that's oh. how it works <laughs> i got like two boxes of modern horizons or something i don't even remember what it no. was i literally don't remember <laughs> no i don't either yeah uh Second place, we got Mi Michaela Gasparini, Rock Rhinos. Dude, that deck is so good. Remember yep. when I called it the third best aggro deck in Legacy like half a year ago and yep. you guys were like, ah. No, I, I agreed. I completely agreed. You did? Okay. Yep. I'm, I'm, yeah, okay, yeah. I'm going to believe you on that. that I, yeah, I yeah. thought like it was underappreciated. No. I, I definitely underappreciated it, but it's also like so streamlined and I, I just hate losing to it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I wanna, fair, fair. I want to shout out the uh, innovation in this deck. He he has four wastelands, which yeah. wasn't in the deck before. This is that's actually terrifying. <laughs> like um, I like it's like now that now that we see it like this, like it, it makes a lot of sense because the the cascade spells all um are not fully colored, right? Like it's yeah. it's a uh, simic plus a colorless, or it's a gruel plus a colorless for mm -hmm. uh for the cascade spells. And like if if your opponent plays two rhinos and then wastelands you right after i think that's lights out yeah i yeah, felt like playing against out. it i i win on like the very last turn sometimes and yeah it'll close out a game it's a really smart addition which i'm surprised we hadn't seen it before so absolutely yeah, was actually talking about this uh yeah. martin chusa and i don't happen to remember his partner right now they they yeah, kept going on mm. huh? scura scura okay yeah. They kept going on about the wasteland and how awkward it is to see it in there. But the, the way I look at this is this is basically a tempo deck with like a giant oversized Tamogolf with trample that is harder to remove. So <laughs> that's, that's I guess, how, how to look at the deck. Because it, yeah. it certainly feels like you're playing against a tempo deck when, when you go up against it. I would yeah. do totally. Also, like, you know, there, there, there are just really powerful lands in Legacy, right? Like Usa Saga, Maze of Ith. Uh, even glacial chasm like all these problematic lands for for rhinos you, you can just deal with them for for zero mana it's just so good <laughs> cool so uh another semi-finalist we got simon ritter on like i guess cradle control is what mm -hmm. they call it these days i still call it field, field artisan <laughs> I, I never liked it when people called death in texas like mono white control it's just like Two, two, I don't know, on the nose or something. But yeah, uh, he got fourth place with it. I'm looking at the list right now because there's a couple of flavors of it, right? Sometimes they play like a bunch of Elvis Spirit Guides. Uh, okay, he's playing one Elvis Spirit Guide. Grist. Nobody, yeah, this this looks pretty straightforward. It's so funny to me because, you know, coverage, they, I mean, they don't play a lot of Legacy, I guess, but they kept going on about how are there this, like these fair decks and Legacy, what is going on? Like this is this is the most unusual legacy game. Like when Rhinos played against uh, Cradle Control, they were like, "Oh, well, where's the broken stuff?" It's like, dude, <laughs> I mean, we're putting eight power to play on the first turn sometimes. So like we, we naturally order people out. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast and you're this far into the podcast, you already know that legacy is like not the way people sometimes, at least in the past, talked about it. Where it's just like crazy combo decks flying around. It was just funny to still see that attitude on on the pot uh, on the coverage. 
So, oh yeah, we already talked about Mark Tobias. Completely crazy Doomsday control deck, basically. Uh, also went out in the semifinals. And then for the rest of the top eight, we got Legacy All-Star Matteo Blasi in the nimblest mongoose, Hell this yes. time playing Grixis Starva. And there's actually some story around this mm -hmm. because he was actually not supposed to be top eight. He lost his winning in against... Elliot Dragon. El Elliot Boussard, Elliot Dragon, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Elliot had actually won. And it was so... Like, I, I watched it later on on the stream once again and, like, everybody was so confused and they were, they were trying to, like, tag Anorak. Oh, my God, they reported the match result wrong. No, no, no. It says, <laughs> like, Matteo won on, on, on Melee, but clearly we saw Elliot win. So the way it worked is... <laughs> and, I mean, that is dedication. Elliot literally did not want to top eight the Legacy main event <laughs> because he wanted to play Vintage on Sunday. And they, they made it so that because Legacy went for 10 rounds, you would play the top eight on Sunday. So Elliot completely won the game, and at some point he just like shook his head, extended the hand, and conceded. <laughs> I love it. That's <laughs> crazy. Oh my goodness. It's it's such a cool thing to do, especially it seems like he's already made up his mind before the beginning of the match, I think. I would think so, yeah. And I would love the opportunity to like make someone's day as well, like that. Like, you know, just don't tell them they have no idea. And then to give them such a really cool gift like that, I, I would I would be so happy doing that if you've already made up your mind and stuff. So, I mean, he obviously made Matteo's day. Yeah. Very, very much so. And you know what, what, what's the, the best part about this whole story? I mean, you already know because you can see the show notes. Elliot that went on to top eight, the vintage main event. Yeah. He top this, oh, is, this is perfect. He this is the perfect well. story, right? Top forward beating Justin in the quarters. Oh, you, you bet Justin? Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> yeah. Justin. I mean, that is baller as fuck. Very boring. Yeah. Right? This Just is like, like no, I, I I want my chance at this other tournament that I care even more yeah. about, even though I have like the craziest chance at this one right now. No, I don't want it. I want the, yeah. the vintage one. I do have to say, I think um, top eighteen legacy mini. You can't play vintage is really bad organizing. Uh, I, he shouldn't have to do this, and I think it's That's like true. yeah. I, I hope they kind of work something out for next time. So it's quite disappointing to see some people, you know, like for me, if I was going over to play both, I'm not a massive vintage person, but a huge majority of the eternal scenes in every continent are. If they're like thinking, oh, do I really want to top eight legacy if I then can't play vintage? That just feels bad, right? Mm. And I'm not even, and I didn't even go and it feels bad to me. <laughs> yeah. As we speak about vintage, by the way, shout outs to Lukas Schwendinger, who actually won the vintage eternal weekend. Yeah. So let's, let's not let that go unmentioned. For sure. Mm. But yeah, now now it's actually time for Japan. Um, Kai, take us away. What, what do you see in the, as, as the best performing decks in Japan there? Can I, can I just crazy. interrupt one second? We didn't shout out 6th, uh, 7th, and 8th place. Oh, oh my <laughs> God. I, I was so like so into the story of Matteo. <laughs> oh, Dude, no. let's, yeah, yeah. let's go. Yeah, very, very big shout out <laughs> to Martin Pelikan playing. Uh, what was like, uh, you know, I take credit for saying some reanimator always gets in the top no, eight. No, this doesn't count as reanimator. It, it no, kind of counts as reanimator, right? <laughs> it, it's literally, it's not reanimator, it's not scam, it's both. So to give of. you a little bit of context why I'm shouting about this is because in our predictions, Julian said one reanimator and I was like, absolutely no way. There's not even going to be reanimator in the top 16. Okay. I think it's bad. Be be before, before you go into that, let me read some <laughs> of the cards from the stack list. Four Dark Ritual, four Entomb, four reanimate, four... Okay, okay you go... <laughs> I quit. I quit the podcast. I'm going. Two animate that, and then okay. I, I see where you're coming from. Two currency converter. Two Liliana of the Well. Four Okish Bowmaster. Four Doughty Voidwalker. This is why why we call it like reanimator scam, right? It's it's not mm. proper reanimator. It's not proper scam. It's it's basically like they're just having a baby. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> just this 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 deck. A big, a Kai, a big you have to choose baby. who's right. Yeah. 
That, that's Hogak in there as well. Holy shit. That's cool. Entomb Hogak, maybe. Woo. <laughs> Bowmaster <laughs> being the two bo- the, the two creatures to evoke it. That's pretty sick. Yeah, dude. Combo. <laughs> All right, Kai, who, who's right? Me or Julian? I would say this is a reanimator deck. Oh, I think. Yeah, 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 dude. Like, I mean, the moment when, when, you, when you add something like Entomb, you know, it, yeah, it is. Fine, a fine. Deck. Good call. Cool, yeah. yeah. Good call. Now that you mentioned, I think that's actually what puts it over the edge, right? Otherwise, people would like splash red and play like Faithless Looting and stuff. But yeah. Entomb is like some some pretty strong commitments so there's there's one thing i i really like about this deck is that it is so hard to sideboard against yes it is just it is just so hard like i can like this he probably like won two or three rounds by just you know opponents having like desperate mulligans to like Leyland of the voids and then they're getting crushed by bow masters and how many games has julian lost against reanimator to doubt void walker oh, doubt evil dude <laughs> that's so funny like i think i lost my last three legacy challenge top eight quarterfinals to literally stupid fucking naughty void walker and like we, we already talked about this so much like no you you don't want the furies but you want the salts to plowshares and stuff and like in, in every time it still keeps happening i also lost against dooms oh yeah when i play against um um uh, sebastian Zillinger, who got ninth place we talked about him quite a lot I kind of had the third game won, but my stupid brain, like I was not on top of my game, did not bring in um, Lantern for the third game, even though I had seen Doomsday with Emrakun in the second game. Oh, no. So I actually I had to play out the game properly, and you know how I lost. I lost to stupid Doomsday making like a turn one Voidwalker, and it went all the way. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I, your, I even, I that's even your kept, brand. <laughs> I even kept some, I think, sorts of plowshares because I, I've seen the entire deck in the second game and I, I still couldn't get there. Yeah, that's my brand. Like oh, at yes. that point, yeah, I don't know what to do. <laughs> what, what's your brand, Julian? Like, nope, not Nintendo, not other stuff, no, not, he's not elves, the, not painter. It's just dying to Doughty Void. Yeah, it's like the guy yeah. who dies to Doughty Void. <laughs> <laughs> That's his entire brand. You know, at some point, people are going to come up to me at events and they're, hey, Julian, you, you, you want to sign that Doughty Void? Yeah, Voidwalker? I was just going to say, could you sign my Doughty Void Walkers? All right, if you're listening, please get you to sign your Doughty Void Walkers. Oh, my goodness. I will do it with pleasure. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Uh, cool. So, yeah, we got we got Martin there. Then we got Peter Robotka, Boris Initiative. Uh, as yeah. I think we all predicted for yeah. one of those to be in the top eight. And yeah. then we got Gianluca Gasola on yet another Rock Diver. I think we did not expect like three Rock decks to be in the top deck, in, in the, the top eight of Eternal Weekend Europe here. So I'm just trying to find out. I'm pretty sure Gianluca is like the Gen- most diehard Rock Diver player. Yeah, I th- I'm Gianluca Gasola um, yeah. also top eighted Prague? Grand Prix Prague with yes. uh, Rock Delver too. And it had, it was. I even remember the deck list um, quite a bit because it had a crazy selection of creatures. I, I don't. It was still close Del- and stifle. Yeah, uh, but also Hooting Mandrels was in there. Yep. I think I remember that. And a couple of other things like maybe like a true name. Oh, I mean, yeah, I don't that remember. sounds right. That, that right. I saw but, all those for sure. Yeah, I think. But I think like Delve of Secrets was the only four off. I think, and all the other creatures were like yeah. like fringe two three offs. And yeah. but I've never heard or seen him play not Rock Delva, so it's <laughs> awesome. He's yeah. obviously just bananas good, so that's awesome to see him. Oh, wait, this time he's not playing Delva. He of course he's he's playing Dragon Rage Channel, but he's playing a lot more of a mid range list. So he's playing like Merc Tides, Questing Druids, and two copies of Ethereal Forager Spellbelly, wow. as we like to okay. call it. Yeah, okay, nice. Yeah, yeah. Hard. So, congrats to him. Always, always rugging. Always, always be rugging. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So, with that out of the way, uh, glory or glories too. Um, 
once again, Kai, what, what do we see in Japan? What, what is doing well in Japan? So, like the most played uh, decks by, by win rate and uh, at least 200 matches in Japan, we have a clear winner. It's, it's four or five color beanstalk with 60%. 60 is, such, 60 is such a high number. Oh my That's goodness. So much, yeah. Yeah. I you mean, rarely you can get to see that in, in large numbers, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can you can you can see from the top eight, right? Like the top eight had a couple of like um, beanstalk decks already, but boy, was that deck good! And second is Boros Initiative, so this is exactly the same as in Europe. Fifty-seven percent. Fifty-seven percent Boros represent, followed by Rock Delver. I think the one of the one of the biggest differences between Japan and Europe is the, is the pr- heavy presence of Rock Delver in Japan. And there is in Europe, you saw more like Grixis Delver or Scam. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, interesting fact, uh, we didn't mention this for Europe because Rugdiver didn't see enough play to make it into any of those, like at least 200 or at least 100 matches. But if you look below decks with at least 100 matches, Rugdiver actually had the most insane win percentage and at 62% in Europe. And at some point, it gets carried by Julian's results there, of course, because the, the, the lower the number of pilots gets, the more this one outlier like heavily, heavily influences it. So don't read too much into it. But overall, still a very good showing for Ruck in, in Europe. And as it turns out, uh, also like okay in, in Japan, right? 50, 52% is solid. This is a deck that you want to play, but nothing that makes you go crazy. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and, and then, you know, we have some follow-up with uh, 51% long Painter, Sneak and Show, and uh, Blue Black Scam. And if you go, like, the, at, at these 100 matches with the best win rates, we have uh, we have Doomsday, 64%, but this is clearly because of uh, my uh, my hero, Mark Tobias. <laughs> uh, he's, uh, he's probably responsible for, like, at least 10% of those. And didn't we talk about, like, I, I very much remember in the last episode, we talked about how you, you were like, you do not want to play Doomsday right now. Um, yeah, I think I was I was wrong, as always. <laughs> no, man, okay, okay. I, I think I think the deck that's, is that's cool. The, Being wrong is cool. That that uh, means progress. It, yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the the deck is I think once you make it out of the uh, um like once you make it to like a four o five o m five o standing, you you can probably start to face a lot more of these beanstalk decks, which are pretty good matchups for you. And you you just gotta dodge um, blue black scam basically and Grixis Delva also. But and, and you mentioned that Boros Initiative isn't actually that bad for you because I initially thought Boros Initiative is bad for for Doomsday, but I think you mentioned it's not that. bad. Oh yeah, it's all right. It's all right. It um they don't interact well with the card Doomsday or with Thassa's Oracle. They don't have any tools for that. Mm-hmm. They can try to lock you out, but the thing is like um if you really wanna beat Boros Initiative, you can because you got tools like subtlety and force negations, forcible days, like even snuff out, you know, like those cards really interact really well with um initiative mm-hmm. or is just zero mana. So you yeah, you got the tools. It's not a fantastic matchup, by the way, but it's like slightly uh, slightly above fifty percent, I wanna say. I'm actually looking at the, the win rate right now. Uh, okay, there's really not too much in the database. There's like six matches. And yeah, it's not even worth mentioning at six matches. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I quickly want to hop to like the, the, the most underwhelming decks, uh, which is which is so funny in Japan, because <laughs> the most underwhelming deck was also the deck that got played the most at the event, <laughs> <laughs> which is show and tell. Oh, dear. <laughs> this is such a... Like, okay, what the heck? Okay. Well, one qualifier, I actually looked into this because it wasn't clear to me. I think they specifically mean Omni Show because they have different categories for show and tell and sneak show. So... 
but, oh, but the, the point still stands, right? Show and tell didn't do very well in the, in yeah, the event. Yeah, this is kind of funny. But Sneak Show had 51%, so basically break even for the most part deck. That's okay. But especially Omnitel, 38%, like doing horribly, like completely capsizing and like <laughs> there's no coming back yeah. from that. This is almost burn levels of like misperformance. <laughs> Oh, and while you had the, the, the decks that don't perform very well, uh, well, my, my idea, like, hey, maybe this is the meta game for 12 posts, yeah, in Japan it had, like, 39%, like, it's also not exactly great. But of the of the more played decks that didn't do well, once again, we see Reanimator at 47%, like, Reanimator mm. just can't catch a break. Eight cast also 47%, not too great. And Lance at 42%. Like, yeah. oh, this I'm, was I'm, not the tournament for Lance. I'm, yeah, I'm really surprised by both Lance and eight cast. I um, I figured, like, both decks are pretty powerful. As, and especially, like, Lance has... Like, if you look at the top decks, um, Lance has really a decent matchup um, against most of them. That you see a lot of, like... Okay. Wonk, but it doesn't against Land Sneak and Show. Sneak and Show beats Lance really badly. It does, but so Sneak and Show... No, but Sneakershow didn't do very well, but I think because there was so much Sneakershow in the field, that's why Lance did worse so here than Europe. Here's the interesting oh, thing. I, I would I would agree, I think but smart, overall, smart. because like the meta is still so diverse at all, like I think these individual matchups don't mean too much. And yeah. when I'm looking at, for example, for Lance for the performance in Asia, it actually went 50% against Sneakershow in just eight matches. It did really well against Drugdiver. You, I think you would, would expect that. It got slaughtered by Boris Initiative. It oh, got yeah. destroyed by Blue Black Scam, but that's only two matches. Let's not lean into that. There's, it has just like a ton of 0% matches where the sample size is pretty small. I mean, there's Doomsday, which you expected four matches, which it all yeah. lost. I mean, it lost it's... all matches against Besiege Storm. Yeah, 0 6 against Initiative, like makes sense as well and it's pretty bad it, it was one one five against initiative but still yeah oh sorry I, yeah you're right yeah i i put it together on on the discord because people specifically asked about lance and as i'm loading up the discord right now lance went one and 20 against some of the most played decks in the format which really like doesn't doesn't bode well to it uh, for it so that's wild because it's just not what i thought <laughs> Yeah, so, okay, here, here's, here's a, here it is. Uh, Lance went 1-20 and 20 in Eternal Weekend Asia between Boris Initiative, Blue Black Scam, Doomsday, 8-Cast, and Besiege Storm. It went 1-20. and 20. God, that's oh, tough. It did well. It did well against other stuff, like we mentioned, Rock Delva and stuff, so it didn't completely, like, drown, but it didn't didn't have the greatest of showings. This is like it, Julian versus Voidwalker levels. <laughs> 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 but yeah as, as you mentioned um, it did well against like tempo decks like against Timor Delvar against Grixis Tempo it also did well against Reanimator it did very well against Death in Texas mm. it won both of his matches against a and okay and how's Lands but, against Scam against Blueback Scam yeah probably it good as did, well where is it I mean we, we were talking about rather small numbers so don't read too much into it but yeah. I'm trying to find it on the matrix oh, it lost twice <laughs> okay well I, I thought that was quite a good matchup for it but uh... I mean it, it's really only two matches don't, yeah don't yeah no, for, much. Sure, like, for sure you literally get to a 50% if it's just yeah. like one of the matches because I, I, I still think despite this bad record I think lands is good against like a lot of the top of the meta but I forgot about initiative when I was saying it the last cast I think when we were talking about it and initiative is very good against lands mm-hmm yeah, yeah, definitely. So, uh, other than that, well, what are the other decks that still did something? I, I mean, at that point, we got Blue Black Scam, Grixis, Delva, and DNT all around 50%. We 
we got reanimated at 47%. We already talked about that. And then, as Kai already mentioned, once we expand the scope a little bit, we go to the decks with less than 100 matches locked. Like, Doomsday is pretty close at 97%. 64% with a with 97 matches is that's very good like yeah. we, we can we can pretend that's 100 matches like that's yeah that's that's pretty close strong. to it right yeah. yeah it's it's a few off but you know <laughs> let me actually see like doomsday did really well against okay this is this is at least 11 matches it did well against boris initiative at 64 percent it won all of his matches against reanimator and most of his matches against domain beanstalk it's just like it has so many matches where it did really well 12 post it did well against painter dma evoke all of those are like small sample sizes it's just it's small sample sizes and individual match individual matchups across the board Mm -hmm. and i'm trying to find a matchup where it didn't do well despite playing a lot of them and there's really not much i guess there's mono red prison but that's only three matches it's just like doomsday just had great matches very very great matches across the board with very little weakness impressive and i think that's the takeaway here can I get back on it? Oh, he already is. Yeah. Mark, uh, Mark, teach me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the first thing he did was like to remove white from the deck, right? Yeah, that was a I terrible. Mean- oh, dude, that was a terrible mistake. So I, so one thing, um, this is for all the listeners who, who try to feel smart and, and, and change things immediately. I did it and I, I failed immediately, right? Like I, I took Mark Tobias decklist and I thought, well, like these white cards really don't belong in this deck. So I, I cut white entirely and I joined the showcase challenge <laughs> and I go O2 drop. So I, and then and then and then today I played exactly Mark's deck and I almost trophied. So I'm like, dude, people, sometimes you just gotta shut the f up and. Uh, do, do what you're told. And, and do do what you're told, <laughs> and do what the masters do. You know, there's a reason why they're doing it. Yeah, is Mark Tobias the, the, the doomsday master right now? Uh I mean, he, like after this weekend, uh, clearly, very clearly. much so, right? But Dude, I'm, 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 I'm still, I, I just love these storylines. Now I'm so, so, so excited to see what he's going to do at Eternal Week in North America. Because if you were a betting man, he might mm. actually be the number one seat, the number one pick. The guy who's going to give you the worst odds if if you bet on him to to um, win the tournament, or the best odds depending on how you want to look mm. at it, right? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, like I would. Is bet there anyone? That... <laughs> is there anyone you'd pick over Mark? I mean, okay, he he's super checked lagged. It's his like third big tournament in a row. As, assuming he's going to go right, but his Twitter mm-hmm. very much seemed like he was yeah. going to go. So maybe that's that's counting against him. And of course, there's also a lot of like legacy masters in North America who are like yeah. just like jump in the car, get their play, but. If he's fresh enough, and I mean, there's a couple of weeks still to go, like at least one oh, but, and a half. But he, like, he got so many reps in, like, and he played so many events, like the, the last couple of, you know, days that I, I, I think he, he might want to do it. Also, the, the deck list ha- is, is one card off, and the list in Europe had two Shieldreds in the sideboard. The, one, the list in Japan, he um, had only one Shieldred and one more Soul Supply chairs, which I completely agree with because there are already enough three and four drops in the stack by the one ring and the fairy time <laughs> reveler but yeah most sorts of plowshares definitely help oh, okay cool yeah dude i'm so excited i'm also super excited by the way something we haven't mentioned at all up until this point i can't like put into words how much commitment anorak das puts into, into bringing us coverage yeah. right we love you dude we, we talked so about this so. all weekend on twitter and everywhere and the the i i it's, it's, 
I'm, I'm literally out of words because Anurag has so much passion. And if you, if you want to learn more about this, check out uh, his interview of humans on Humans of Magic, where he talks about a lot of this and goes into really big detail. It's so funny to me because at the when I traveled to Prague, some people in, in my train were talking about how Anurag quit his job and he fully committed to bringing us this coverage. And I was like, actually, I don't think he quit his job. I think he still has like a full-time day job. And they were like, yeah, yeah. no way, there's no way. Like he's bringing us so much coverage. He must have committed to this full-time. And I think I don't think so. Yeah. And no, he still has his full-time day job. Exactly. Yeah, he, he does both. It's so crazy. He, he, I, I think he never sleeps. Yeah, that's the recipe. You know when he slept? I, I was sitting up with him and like at the coverage and like watching him and talking about stuff quite a bit. And at some point he was like, dude, Trillian, I need to find a moment to sleep. Like oh. He literally, he, he, like as, as the metro go, was going and I was up with him, uh, he was like, I'm just going to take a nap now. <laughs> like, okay. And he literally had to take some naps during the coverage because he was just like so overworked and so exhausted. And that's like everything he puts into this. This this is like it, it's not like they are, they are like showering him with money or anything like it's it's basically like they are making it work for him, but it's it's not like he 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 does this just for for some I guess monetary incentive or something. This is this is pure passion and, and love for the game, and I I can't emphasize enough how how much of it like people call it call people national treasures. Anurag is an international treasure. He's absolutely hero. The the quality of it is just out of this world as well, like. I just loved watching it. I mean, people try, so no, I'm trying, but the coverage is often pretty bad historically of these kind of events. But his his production is so slick and amazing. It's just yeah. Also, this this entire setup it's so thought out. Like I've I've seen a couple of setups between like let's say GPs, Four Seasons, Impact Returns. Up until now, Impact Returns was the best I've ever seen, and I think it still is. But mm-hmm. you can't really compare because Impact Returns has like I don't know like depending on how you want to count like a dozen people working on it. This mm-hmm. one is literally just Anorak and there's two commentators. And it, it just completely blows me away how, 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 the kind of quality he puts out there and the stuff that he's like shipping all across the world to make this work. Yeah. So Anorak, we love you. Please stay with us for as long as, as like humanly possible and just keep giving us all the, the great coverage that you can. And everyone that watches him, go and give him that sub on Twitch and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely Patreon, exactly. what have you. Yeah. Just, yeah. Literally just put money in, in his briefcase or something. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it costs cool. a hell of a lot of money to like get all this equipment and bring it over here and yeah. Yeah, dude, he, like I talked to, I guess I, I shouldn't mention how much, but I I took a guess how much all of his equipment costs and he looked at me and he was like, double. And I already <laughs> was like, oh, I'm probably like estimating it too much. No, it's, it's even more. And then I was like, wait, what, what, why is it double? And then he points underneath the table and there's like two more computers and everything and set up. And I'm like, oh my God, holy shit. <laughs> cool. So yeah, Anurag, you, you rock. You you bring us this coverage. This is amazing. And for the Japanese coverage, it's going to be on YouTube. We're going to put a link in the show notes so you can also watch all of that. And with that, Kai, I think this is this is your job because I'm horrible at reading these names. Do you want to give us a rundown of yeah, who so and what decks top eighted in Japan? I like this top eight so much because I'm I'm gonna mention it in, in a few seconds here. But like half of the players are I know from both Japan, but also Berlin. Dude, I was wondering. No there was one guy in yeah, there. And I was dude. like, isn't this the guy from Berlin? Heck yeah, dude. So I'm just gonna go from the top here. So the first is Leo Isogaya on five color beanstalk. And second place is Takahiro Ikeda. So this guy, he um he also was the finalist in the last God of Legacy like a month ago. And nice. uh, he's like crazy, crazy win streak with uh, Boros Initiative. And I basically grew up with him playing Legacy like uh, many, many years ago in, in, in Japan, right? 
I was so like, crazy to me. Sorry oh, yeah. to interrupt you there, but you know, you know how much people always like, especially like mid-tier players or plateauing players are like, oh, this is so stupid. Legacy is all about like luck and the die roll and what have you. Oh no, this is everybody's lucky and I'm the best player, but I just can't prove it. Like we oh. talk about like these guys, Mark Tobias or, or Takahiro that you just mentioned, and, yeah. and, and like HJ Kaiser, what have you. These even these yeah. big tournaments, they always see the return of some of the juggernauts. And oh, to me, that's a big testament to the format. Like Takahiro Ikira at this point is, is basically J the Japanese XJ Cloud, you can basically say. It's a, <laughs> he's, hey. he's a monster. Yeah, so good. <laughs> on third place, we have Alex Quark on five-color Beanstalk Ring Yorion. That's the only Yorion deck in, I think, all of the both uh, top eight um, mm -hmm. yeah. in both Europe and Japan. Mm -hmm. Uh, really exciting. And then on fourth place, and th this is really surprising for me because I didn't even know that he was going to Japan. Han Lin is a local legacy player from Berlin and he attends the, the Thursday night legacy events. We usually get like about 20 people, sometimes even more or less. But Han Lin has been killing it in our local events too. And he, I, I, we didn't know, but you know, he, he just he just went to Japan and Fucking top eight at this uh this event. Hell yeah. Uh, that, that, this is so this is crazy, really. Like our WhatsApp group went off. I love that. And uh yeah, it's really, really good to see him. Like it yeah, well deserved. But he um Damn. I, I lost to him a lot. Is he <laughs> Japanese or is he is he Chinese? He's I think he he's either from China and from China or Taiwan. I haven't asked him ah, that. Ah, okay. But, because his yeah. last name is like Shue, so I was right. like Yeah. Right. But yeah. he's also fluent in German and yeah, just overall, like a really nice inclusion to our Berlin le and legacy community. So super. I think super, I, I might have actually so. played against someone I was in Berlin last time. That's why I remembered the name. I was like, yeah. dude, is this is this literally Kai's friend from Berlin? Holy yeah, shit! Yeah, dude. Like, I mean, if you keep if you keep winning in our local events, you you you, you face him at some point, right? Yeah, you know, I'm still in your legacy group, and I still see when you post your top eights and stuff, and I always yeah. see him there. It, I think he also did very well recently, right? Oh, dude, like all the time, yeah. See another another person who crushes the format consistently. Oh, Loving uh, this. And then we have uh Oops All Spells played by Yuki Kubo. Kinda cool. Kinda cool. Did not expect a deck like Oops All Spells to uh to go uh <laughs> That's the wild card, right? <laughs> it, it's it's really it's really crazy. Imagine you sit down in the top eight, and I guess it's open deck list at that point, and then they hand you the deck list, and if you hadn't already seen it, you're like, what the f <laughs> This this oops list is also wild. Is it that crazy? Like yes. I thought I had looked at it and it has six main deck ley lines. Whoa! Is is it the white ley line? It has four main deck white ones and two main deck blue ones that give everything flash, so it can win your opponent's turn one upkeep. Wait, I, I totally mean, missed that. Oh dude, my god, I, ley line of anticipation. Yes, dude, I mean, dude, I mean <laughs> that's yes, some dude. vintage tech. I mean, this this guy is now playing Magic: The Gathering. He's playing like some. <laughs> He's playing some bingo game. <laughs> so you, you know how, like, in Europe, um, one round Rhinos was on coverage, and they went, in your turn one upkeep, XL3 Spirit Guides make Rhinos, and everything went crazy. <laughs> like, that was a real thing that happened on camera. But this guy can just kill you turn one yeah. in your upkeep. So you're like, oh, oh great, goodness. great. I won the die roll against Oops. I'm going to win this. <laughs> nope. <laughs> That's so good. Like, yeah. Dodge's force of negation entirely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. I think it, okay. it also had like two dread returns in it, so you can like dread return twice, I guess. Yeah, for the double win. Yeah. What, did, what did you dread return the second time? You got one Thassa's Oracle? Oh, I guess if. Okay, okay, so the idea is if you have one in your hand, you don't have to cable therapy yourself. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's. I mean, it, it, I say it makes sense as somebody who's never looked that deep into it, but I mean, <laughs> on, on a surface level, it makes sense. Yeah, I don't, mm. I don't know Oops well enough to like know what's 
cotton stuff, but there's like. Uh, yeah. But the card that always gets me is Memories Journey because I used to laugh about it because I thought like, oh, this is like magical Christmas land. No, like Memories, Memories Journey, Journey is, gets you quite a lot. Memories Journey, like for me playing against the deck or like just knowing what Memories Journey does now, it made the deck go up like uh, three times, four times as good. Honestly, like yeah, what that. Do you want to like quickly go into into what it does uh, now that we mentioned? Well, Memories Journey is not in this deck list, so yeah, yeah, but 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 since we are like basically hyping it right now, yeah. I, I will just foreshadow for this with like saying um, there's a player called Faulted Form who wrote a Memories Journeys guide. So honestly, go and find Faulted Form on Twitter and read his guide. I love how there's like a, a guide about a single card inclusion in an all-in combo deck. <laughs> there's I've seen him and um, my friend Jamie who, who started playing Oops do some wins that are just wild. Like you beat so many things with it if you know all the kind of ins and outs of it but the main use is you know you you mill your whole deck and then you have like a sim an elvish spirit guide in hand or an untapped timber term uh, turn timber symbiosis so an untapped green mana and then you can like you know if surgical targets any of your things you can like shuffle it back in if they target the oracle or the dread return you shuffle that back in and very often you can shuffle like the Oracle and two Lotus Petals back in so you can then play it in a couple of turns and stuff. But it, it does some really wild things as well. Um, but in that okay, list that, as well... This is, this is the, the normal use case that I'm used to. And you're yeah. telling me there's more? There's many more. Oh my God, there's, <laughs> it opens up so many things. Okay, so so uh, can you send the link to me on, on yeah. our chat? Well, we'll actually on Discord notes. or somewhere and yeah, yeah. share it in the show notes. Yeah, this... I had no idea there was an entire guide no, to it. it. Like it, I know somebody like um, Stephen Nenian wrote a book on Gush, but I didn't know there was a guide. No, it involves journey. lines where like you do get surgical and you can't win with Oracle. Like the Oracle's gone, so you shuffle in enough things to sacrifice to. Um, cabal therapies to make zombies off dread return uh, off bridge from below oh, and win with me? actual damage over three turns yeah are you kidding me that's <laughs> happening not. i mean i, I guess I've, i can see it, it if you do it like on the first turn where the opponent has nothing and they like used half the cards to stop no you. no I've, I've seen it happen where you have three turns to win with zombies and you make enough over the first couple of turns and then win it's, can you imagine like you, you yeah. literally you extract the Thassa's oracle you're like okay there's no way they're killing me and then they kill you with fucking zombies yep <laughs> is yep. this what the second bridge is for oh no there's only one bridge okay so we got, we got this, the second this is a very turn. different list like because you have all these ley lines and stuff because uh, i know that that list plays um the memory's journey and a one of reanimate is a big part of it as well this one is two reanimates. I oh, was thinking it? like the, the the reanimates are something you bring in against combo, like when they counter your Bellastrad spy. No, or this, this has two dread return. The other one has like an actual reanimate in there as well. Oh, no, this one has two reanimates in the sideboard. So oh. this is what I'm thinking. Um, that okay. Maybe you bring it in against, let's say, com uh, control or like or basically anything mm -hmm. that tries to counter your creatures, and then you got this one off uh, card to to try again, basically. Yeah. And otherwise, it trades for like graveyard removal. But uh, otherwise. Yeah, the deck is kind of like a lot deeper than you expect. So <laughs> I, I I can tell from from like yeah, I, I, you, you you really seem to have have found something in the depth of the stack that I wasn't even aware of. Yeah, no, I didn't until it's all credit to faulted form. Honestly, he's um will be at Eternal Weekend in America, so I'm rooting for him. <laughs> okay, cool. So what what else is there, Kai? Um, so yeah, that was the Upsos spell deck. Oh yeah, we, we have uh, Rencibo on Boros Initiative. This is the second Boros Initiative deck in, in this top eight. And uh, and then we have Minamijima on Doomsday. And this is a, more like a stock list. And 
just just to tell all the Doomsday players out there, like you can still play your personal tutor uh, Doomsday builds. Like there's there's no problem about this deck. Like you don't have to go uh, Mark Tobias. You know, um, deck's still good. And then on fifth, uh, and then on eighth place we have Manuel Trabocco. And I know Manuel also since 2011. Also, I played like when I played at the very first like small little tiny Hadaruya before they became big. And Manuel was already there playing Sh um, Shardless Agents, uh, Shardless Buck, I think, with Liliana of the Veils. And I played like Canadian Threshold. We had a, we had a good time. And now he's crushing it with Grixis Temple um, plus Questing Druid. So like a really like a four color tempo deck list. Really, yeah. really good to see. This is this is very much another one of those things where you take like a traditional tempo deck, you remove the divers, and you you just like go mid range. And you you know when we did that with like Borg, Castlevania, whatever people called mm -hmm. it, these 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 decks that eventually also like kind of became check pile. And yeah, he's doing that. He's doing that. This is Grixis splashing green for questing druid. And is there anything else in the sideboard? Carpet of one of carpet of flowers, I guess. Yeah, this is the yeah. full combo. Is that a basic land? Of course, there's not. <laughs> Sometimes oh, we also want to yeah, play yeah. basic lands in these decks. I mean, yeah, it's uh, the the mana base is kind of a little scary, but it's I know ass. That. The mana yeah. base is ass. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, like, super happy to see a deck like this because um, it was not even on on our radar, like a, f a full color deck, because we have been talking about Grixis or Rock. But like basically, all these beanstalk versions, right? But there's no four color. I I'm not even sure, like. You can be divided on whether this is a tempo deck or not. It still plays like Days Wasteland, but none of the super traditional stuff like Delver. But yeah, I think it's still a tempo deck very much. So mm -hmm. yeah, really, so really. Do, do, this is like a best. This is like all your friends. Like half half of these guys are friends of yours, right? Yeah, yeah, they are. That that's really awesome. Really, like I, man, like next month I, I I'm gonna fly over to Japan for like uh for two weeks or so. I'm I'm gonna meet all these guys, right? Nice. Probably in in Haruyo. So damn. That's I was awesome, just gonna, really. I was just gonna ask you whether that makes you feel like, dude, I missed out. I want to go. Ah oh, man, I like next. I mean, if they do it next year exactly like this year, I I, I might want to book my flight so that I can join the event too. Because, oh, man, I, I I just love Legacy, dude. Like, look at this. This is awesome, right? Like six hundred, almost close to like seven hundred players at those events. Dude, I could, I could tell, uh, right? As much as you enjoyed your booth, I think you you already mentioned, right? Dude, like yeah, in the future, I kind of want to figure out maybe I can play in the main event and still do my yeah. booth. You gotta yeah, tell I think me. You already mentioned that at Four Seasons last time that you, yeah. you were kind of missing playing. Oh, you gotta tell me how to clone people. <laughs> maybe, um, maybe, you, maybe your your girlfriend can like do your booth. Oh, yeah, my my <laughs> girlfriend can play the main event. Then. <laughs> oh, she's even better, right? I forgot. <laughs> I mean, she might actually be by now. Yeah. She, she plays like like blue red diver or something, right? That's that's her uh, choice. Yeah, I I I showed her um, the Magic Arena interface, and she immediately liked it. Is it colors? And I like, oh man, qualified for half the Pro Tours and stuff. Big mistake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So guys, um... there's there's a couple of things I just picked up on in the topic that I want to shout out. Is uh, so three five color controls, but they are all five color. Like they all three have four Bowmasters in. They all have one or two fourth airlingus. Very few pyroblasts in the sideboard. The, the red splash is just for one or two fourths in the main deck and a meltdown or two in the sideboard. Like that's just the red splash. But I think that there's yeah. especially about the pyroblast to, to to mention that. I think one of the biggest changes that Legacy has seen over the last like let's say one year, maybe one and a half years, is that we we went away from these big three, four, five mana blue spells, these mm -hmm. like chases and and stuff. 
and yeah into into like blue being more of a even more of a utility color than it already is like i think these days the best thing you can pyroblast is like a force of oil yeah and or sometimes yeah yeah or for like a tempo play or something that definitely but i i keep going back to how much of a problem fourth erlingas is for Mm -hmm. a lot of decks in the format and i think that's why hydroblast and and like just clicking at the first four or five color deck here there's a two of hydroblast in the sideboard this deck is playing almost as many blue blasts as red blasts it still has like three red blasts in the end but part of it is also Mm -hmm. that you eventually you probably end up fighting over over the fourth erlingas as we've seen in four seasons right yeah so many of these mirror matches came down to fighting over that yeah and i think that's that's part of the decline of pyroblast yeah without looking i would assume that most sideboards if they can play both blasts would be an equal mix if not if not more hydros because of like initiative as well and painter and moonstompy i hydroblast is better than pyroblast i think yeah, for example the second bla- uh, deck here played by leo I- isogoya uh he's playing two copies of hydroblast in the sideboard and no red blasts at all mm-hmm. from what i'm seeing yeah and he's also playing two copies of whale of summer and hanlin is playing let's see he's playing one hydroblast two whale of summer and another blue blast so he's playing two blue blasts and no red blasts at all dude this is mm-hmm. this is literally like never would have expected out. It. yeah yeah it's mm. so weird it's the same in vintage as well <laughs> oh is vintage all about the red spice as well yeah, no? it's just well not really it's just like i mean blue is still amazing but there's just enough non-blue decks with pyroblast is just like on a bit of a decline as well huh. it's weird it's weird but yeah the other thing is the um the top place initiative de- deck is got some like two bone crusher giants and uh, there was something else different as well i thought that was kind of interesting like two mm-hmm. archons is interesting as well and then the other initiative deck had four brutal cathars that we talked about before as well oh dude i think we, t- we talked about that on the last episode right exactly, this, this yeah. more human style yeah. uh, approach to it so both the both the initiative decks have like slight differences and variations to the norm as well which is pretty interesting yeah, also, I think one of them, yeah, Ta- Takahiro Ikeda is not playing Fable of the Mirror Breaker, if I'm seeing this correctly. No, he's playing Fable of the Mirror Breaker, yeah. but the other guy was not playing Fable of the Mirror Breaker. Let me try to find that as initiative stump. Yeah. yeah, he's not playing Fa- Fable of the Mirror Breaker, and that's where the, the slots for the Brutal Cathar come from, got I would it, think. Also, it. like a one of Timeless Dragon, Eowyn, Fearless Knight, that kind mm. of stuff. Yeah, it's quite mixed, and the sideboard's quite different as well. Very I, cool. I want to, like... People always talk about initiative stomping. It feels like 50 cards have been locked down and then there's like, or, or maybe something like 52 and then there's mm-hmm. there's like eight slots there. People try stuff and a lot of times you see these like uh, Lord of the Rings legends come <laughs> up. Sometimes they play, like as you mentioned, Brutal Cathar and that's, the, I think the common denominator is Fourth Erlingas. Holy shit, that card is good. By the way, yeah. here, here's, here's <laughs> a, a small story from my tournament and... I'm going to spoiler that by saying this is not how I think about cards because that, that was an extreme case. It was just funny because we were playing the Painter Mirror match, the infamous Painter Mirror match that I lost last minute to, to Bolt. And before the second game, we were like talking about fourth Erlingas, whether it's good, whether it's not. And I, I made, I very emotionally heavily made the case for fourth Erlingas being like really, really good in Painter, like really good. And mm-hmm. my opponent was like, eh, don't like it so much. <laughs> And then my opening hand for the second game on the play. <laughs> it was <laughs> Lotus Petal, Lotus Petal, Mox Opal, Ancient Tomb, and Fourth Erlingas in hand. Nice. Oh, dude. <laughs> I had three? three tokens yeah. on the first turn and went for it. Holy and shit. yeah, there was no coming back. <laughs> no, no. 
<laughs> and this is like this is not the case for fourth Erlingers because of this hand, but it was just like it was so funny to me. And the opponent also was a good sport about it. <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, if it worked like that for me every time, I would also play it." I was like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. Just say you've done that like every single game so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is just like this is the standard use case. Like I usually do it for seven on the first turn, easy. <laughs> we dark ritual it out somehow. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. Um, yeah, we're already at two hours. I think we're, we're gonna uh, end up cutting it uh, at this point. But there's there's one more deck I wanna shout out just to to emphasize brewing and legacy, and especially in, in Japan, it just seems so so popular. There's Akinori Nakano who played literally mono black aggro. This reminds me of Suicide Black like twenty years ago. Guys, do, 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 are you oh really nice? Right yeah, there's there's a play sort of arc fiend of the draws. I don't even know what that card does. It has way too much text. It, it's, it's a four drop. It's a four mana six six. Oh my goodness. It's a new Abyssal Persecutor, basically. Yeah. <laughs> it's a four mana six six flying. Yeah. When it enters the battlefield, you put four oil counters on it. At the beginning of your upkeep, remove an oil counter from Archfiend of the Dross. Then if it has no oil counters on it, you lose the game. Whenever a creature an opponent controlled dies, a controller loses two life. Okay, so this puts you on a clock, right? Very fast clock. But I guess you could also like sacrifice it for I something. I mean, it or, puts like, your opponent on a very fast clock. As well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the oil thing is like it's going to kill your opponent faster than the oil kills you, obviously. And so they probably just have to kill it with like one oil counter on it, otherwise they die. I bet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, that works out really well that way. Right? Yeah. <laughs> cool stuff. <laughs> By the way, we should preface this. This deck went eight and two. This was That's one sick. match win away from making top eight. Man. I mean, this is like what we were talking about in the kind of budgety thing. It's like it's got four Deathly Voidwalker, four Orcish Bowmasters, four Grief, four Shieldred, and then it has uh, four Archfiends and four Exsanguinated Cavalry. Is like these are quite cheap cards, really. So if you have like all these good black cards from being a modern player, you can get mm-hmm. some Chalices that you might have already, and then Chromox, an Ancient Tomb of Sidian Trader is quite expensive. But like you can definitely find some some other yeah. cards to play instead of some of them as well. I think the price in in when that's your approach to coming into Legacy, I think the price is not in the deck, mm-hmm. but the price is in how many matches you have to play to actually arrive at something that works for you. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, if you play it on Magic Online, you're probably going to have a lot of, like, trial and error, and you're going to burn a bunch of ticks that way. But if you, if you kind of find something that works, and as, even more so if you play offline, I guess, but that's that's going to make it a lot harder to get good results, I guess, um, then then you can play something like this to an 8 and 2. Yeah. And by the way, you know what I love about this? Angsanguinator Cavalry. You, can, you can't tell me this is not, like, a throwback to Whirling Dervish. It's so cool. Yeah. You, you guys know Whirling Dervish? Yep. It's the I was in love with that green, card. Green, green, 1-1, one, one, the one it hits you gets bigger, right? Yeah, exactly. And this yeah. is also what the what the cavalry does. It also yeah. has like menace. The other one had protection from black, if I remember correctly. Yeah. This is so cool. Dude, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Like you're you're sitting there. I don't know in which round um uh, that, that they lost, but let's say you're sitting down at eight and one, and then your opponent goes like turn one swamp chrome mox extinguisher cavalry or something Hell or, yeah. or <laughs> <laughs> ritual archfiend of the dross go yeah. i've really played against this cavalry card um friend of mine tomaso he plays lots of stompy decks in london and he he's played this like a year ago he top eight an llm with it but oh, this is this is good enough actually really yeah i mean well Whoa. he's top eight an llm and this is the second time i've seen this card okay so you make, the, make the your mind up off is, that's like three mana I, I thought this kind of card might be two mana in, in today's day and age but then again it has like menace lifelink and bro yeah okay this would be it's got a lot of words 
<laughs> yeah, but half of it is like the reminder. Like the moment it hits your opponent us. once, it's then a three, four menace life link. So like your opponent has one, your Delver opponent has one turn to bolt it. Otherwise, it's going to run over the game. And you're, yeah, it's kind of really hard to like properly double block it, I guess, as mm-hmm. well. And then they also have like removal and it's, it gets even worse. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I can see how this card can be super annoying to deal with. Yeah, yeah. I think as like if you can play it turn one or two, it's it's not bad at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool. Dude, I almost want to see it. Kai, are you going to stream this deck? I might want to. I, I want, want to play to. this deck. Now I'm looking at it like I've <laughs> <laughs> I've got my so laptop to... next to me opening Magic Online. So yeah. So we have to stream it together then. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. They are like, dude, this is this is so cool after like such big event is that like you want to play all of those decks. Yeah, really. Right? You you want you want to try them out. Like you know that they're all good. That that's you know, because we are talking about them. But like they have so many creative one-offs and 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 crazy sideboard texts. Like we haven't even touched on the stuff on Doomsday, for example, but there is a crazy card in one of the Doomsday sideboard hole. It's, uh, yeah, so the the Doomsday deck, um, which made top eight in, in Asia, has a single march of swirling mist in the sideboard. And I don't... I don't blame you if if you don't know this card. Like this 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 is a this is a crazy 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 card from. This, um, oh my god! It, I'm looking at it right now. Let, I'm, I'm <laughs> I didn't know this existed. Is this the blue one that phases creatures out? Exactly. Yeah. It's it's a blue and X, and you know you you can you can pitch a card basic. You can exile any number of uh, of cards from your hand, and that makes it like cost two less, right? And it says up to X target creature phase out. What a genius! Mm-hmm. Like. So what is, like, you basically, you pay one mana for an instant, you, you exile, uh, like, a random land or whatever from your hand, and you get oh, it, to, it like... it must be a blue card. It must be a blue card. Uh, You're playing against paint. Oh, yeah, yeah. Blue. Okay, it's sure. Fine. Yeah, you name blue. Yeah, or, like, a random <laughs> brainstorm, because you have too many of them. And then you phase out two Thalias. Okay, actually, that's a pretty bad example. <laughs> I think we, we need to cut this episode. <laughs> this is why we bring you on. What a genius. <laughs> so you exile a land as your blue card, so you can kill two Thalias. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Kai wouldn't have made it through the entire tournament without yeah. like, getting too many match losses. <laughs> Could I have to check, please? I- I'd like to leave now. <laughs> okay, uh, loving it, loving it. By the way, uh, shoutouts to the ten-year-old kid on burn, like the, oh, the cycle completes, goodness. whom you lost against in one of your challenge matches. Oh, uh, this was like probably like the most like heartwarming story of the whole weekend for me. That's why we put um, it at the end. We we hate heartwarming oh, stories. Dude. Oh, dude, like. Uh, among the 31 challenges at the Sawatorics booth, there was also this one kid who, uh, 10 year old, and he, his, um, he, so I heard that um, he asked his dad, who was also a player in the main event, Dennis, um, asked him like a few times if he could finally challenge V at the booth after the event. Um, I think he played Burn in the main event and like conti- uh, continued until like the sixth or seventh round or so. And then he showed up in the late afternoon with uh, with Daddy, and uh, they showed up. They had a burn deck ready. I let them pick one of my two decks. I had Cradle, Fiend Artisan Elves ready, and a Rock Delver deck, and they picked the deck box which had Rock Delver. And I immediately drew an opening hand with like this member against a burn deck, which was fantastic. <laughs> and uh, long story short, it was a pretty epic match. Um, it was the best of one, but at um, at the second half of the game, we had um, I. Don't want to lie, it was probably about like 20 plus people around the booth who were all cheering for 
for the boy, right? Absolutely. As you and said. And it, it, was, it wasn't our boy. And, uh, it was yeah, the other boy. It was the other boy. It was not the boy boy. It <laughs> was, it was boy. the actual it was the actual boy, yeah. And it was so funny because like every time he um he he did like a slight like suboptimal play, his dad or the crowd they they they, they, they kinda of tried to like stop him or convince him that the other plays are better, you know, <laughs> for example, like like I think he had like two mountains and he had like a burn spell and a rift bolt and to to play the the spell first and then to uh, suspend right to play around days for example that sort of stuff we ended up being in a situation where i had an uh what's it called the the, the monkey the hooting mandrels. mandrels yeah an opponent they had an idol of the great revel but i was at one life and i couldn't cast anything and they were at three life and the last top deck was a Monastery Swift Spear. <laughs> and you're still sitting there that stupid dismember. Yeah, dude, we were both at one, and then uh, they just went for the, for the win. And, dude, it got really loud. It got really loud at the booth. The thing is, I gotta tell these, you. Th- these challenges, they have grown so much. I, I happen to watch some of them between the rounds. You have so many pe- people watching them. They're an event in itself. Like pe- Because a, a lot of times people are like rooting for the challenge, all right? And, yeah, dude, 100%. You know, we, we should have, like, borrowed Anorak to stream some of your matches there on the challenge. Oh, that... Don't, don't spoil uh, my, my future plans, but I, I think... Like, I, I love the like, ambition that you have for, for your booth, right? Like, we... <laughs> I think we, we didn't record this early on, but you, you talked about, like, having a DJ behind you and all the kind of stuff for, for oh, your yeah. future events. Also, I want to I wanna, I wanna stream the whole thing. Like, I want to stream how people challenge me, and I also want to stream how I do alterations on those tokens. And I, I just want to stream the whole thing. I mean, you're not saying it, but I'm going to say it. I think you are going to make your booth the biggest attraction outside of the main event and these events in the future. Very much so. Like, I don't don't really hit up dealers all that much. Like, I love to go to the dealers and, like, look at, like, all these, like, super rare cards and stuff that I'm never going to buy. But other than that, unless you want to buy or sell cards, there's not too much to do there. But you, you are actually bringing something that a lot of these events, outside of artists, I think artists also, like, I mean, you are an artist, but to me, like, your booth is so much more than just like, being an artist. And I think you're very much leaning into that, right? That, that you're, like, providing, a, like, a real experience. And after, after like, seeing how, how far you've come, I, I'm just so excited. And I, oh, I, I, I understand dude. why you want to do this in, like, not just I'm- Europe. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm just having a lot of fun with it, you know. And 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 and, and the, the best part is that it's not just me having a lot of fun; it's like everyone having a lot of fun. And like, uh, especially after this game, like I had like I had a few people, including myself, like we had a little bit of like pee pee in our eyes because um, <laughs> did, yeah, because then uh, you know, that the two like uh, the boy and also daddy, like they got to sign the swag flag. Basically, it's like a a big giant flag behind my booth, and everyone who beats me gets to sign it. And uh, they also wrote it. They wrote like you know how they crushed me and like the date <laughs> and yeah, damn, what a, that's a cool story. And they gotta probably gotta take the story home to you know and tell tell other friends. <laughs> that's that's awesome. By the way, and speaking of the swag flag, we also got to to quickly hang with um, uh, Brian Cobalt of the Eternal Glory podcast. Yeah, did he actually like hijack your flag and sign it without beating you? Yeah, that was uh, we, we gotta. Yeah, how did he do that? <laughs> <laughs> That's, I just that, remember that, dude. That that's all. That's almost cheating. Yeah, I might want to call the judge maybe at some point. But it was really good to meet Brian at, at, and for the first time. Really, it was like a, you know, it was we had a, a, a couple of minutes just just chit chatting a little bit. But um, Brian from the Eternal Glory podcast, and he he talked about like how um, his legacy and vintage deck choices, and you know how he's doing and his crazy flights and how everything got delayed and things. But it was really good seeing him. 
Yeah, there's too many people to shout out, um, especially at these big events. So, dude, I <laughs> I guess we could keep going on forever. Like there was Justin there and like a lot of like all of our European magic friends. Uh, by the way, shout out to Reinhard Gao from China, who also is like in, in Europe these days for work, um, wh whom I met twice at, uh, I think only once at off in Beijing. I think the second time he didn't have time. I don't remember. It's That's just really like, nice, yeah. I, I guess you could make an entire podcast episode about all the amazing people we met. But I want to shout out all the people that make this work for us, especially our Patreons on Eternal Witness tier, Colin Garazzi, Alex Crow, Tim Everett, Testacular, Sebastian Holaga, Guillaume, Sean Dewey, Francis Cowper, Cassandra Davis, Tom Zischka, Benedict Tuba, and Severin Schwarzuber. And our Grizzlebrand tier supporters, Scott Monroe, Tom Hepp, Kane, Ian Seifert, and Colin Oscopy, and literally everybody who ever left a review for us. Every time a new review comes in on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you want, or if you want to join us, you can support us on Patreon.com. You really make all of this tick, and you make this work for us so that we can like spend uh, over two hours at this point just like shooting the shit about one of the most amazing events of the year. And even I had a great time, even though I, like it didn't feel very well at all health-wise, but. I, I'm just so happy that I still went for that, that one day that I got there and, and had a great time. So, Kai, where, where's your next booth going to be? Where, where can um, we find you next time? Yeah, that, that one is already scheduled. That's for uh, January 2024. It's going to be in France. Oh, um, what's and, going and, down in France? Yeah, so uh, in uh, in France and Lyon, there's a magic event called MTG Once. And um, I'll be I'll be there. Um, they fly me in. It's going to be awesome. I've, cool. I've actually... I haven't been to France in ten years or so, so I'm really stoked to see like a, hopefully yeah, like a like a flourishing. Um, I love how these, these magic there. events are named. Like that, <laughs> you could write an entire article about like uh, like Nebraska's war and whatever MTG wants. Yeah. Like, there like there must be something behind it, I guess. MTG wants is the team. It's uh, Greg Millon and Stefan, I think, is one of them. Ah, it's, okay. And um, oh, my boy, uh, his name's Ganesh on the Painted Discord. I've forgotten, <laughs> I've forgotten his real name. Shit. I played awful. against him. I played against him in the main event. He was, was the guy. Yes. I, I'm pretty sure I played against French him. French guy. He's French, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's yeah, a brilliant painter player. He, he's basically the painter player I talked about where I had this like brain fart. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. He's got like foil welders. He's been playing the deck forever. Yeah, yeah that deck like, looks oh, yeah. impressive. So, he's, um, got a, he's got a discipline. Like there was another painter player who said yeah, he's he's just like painter master and he's learning from him. Yeah, he's but I don't remember forever. the name. But um, MTG Ones is them as a team. And I don't know. I think Greg has been like organizing events for a long time. Maybe the others have as well. I can't remember, but um, they're just all absolutely lovely. So I have every every um, what's the I'm a bit sleepy now. Uh, I know it'll be an amazing event. So if you are in like the French region or Europe mainland and stuff and want to go, like these are players that are running an event, not TOs trying to like you know, make money off it. So it'll be amazing. Awesome. So with that, I guess. Guys, we are going to call it a day now here. Um, I'm going to be off to Egypt on a super short notice holiday. Like my, my boss just told me, hey, you're new at the company. And hey, why don't you go on a free holiday to Egypt? So I was like, yeah, dude, call. <laughs> so I'm <laughs> I'm flying um, uh, in mid-December now. So I think we're going to get in one more episode. Actually, I'm, I'm not so sure because Kai and I are going to be commentating Eternal Week at North America from the 9th Yay! to the 10th. So I guess we're going to do like a, a review episode right after and then one more towards the end of the month. So everybody, if you don't hear from us before the next Eternal Weekend in North America, best of luck to you. Don't play Sneak Show or if you do, find a way to make it work. And yeah, long live Ancient Tomb. Who's, who's going to win? Who's your prediction to win? Uh, 
I'm saying Mark yeah. first, so you guys. Uh, can't. Yeah, dude, I, I, dude, <laughs> I already like basically called Mark, right? Dude, yeah. This is a Mark podcast. Yeah, this is this, <laughs> cool. this is this is the podcast where we predict Mark Tobias. Dude, can you imagine how epic it would be if you actually won? <laughs> okay, with that, everybody, have a great time. Good luck at the tournament, and see you again in December. Bye bye. Ciao. See ya.